everyone, and welcome back once again to the TetraCast. This is RPG Sites a Weekly podcast, where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. Uh, my name is Brian Vitali. Joining me, I've got the usual crew here today. Uh, I have Josh Torres. We're so back. We have Adam Vitali. See, this is why I put seemingly in the tweet every week. It gives us an out. In the one case that we sometimes can't go, we're fine. We have James Galizio. It's over. And Chow Min Wu. How was the funeral, Josh? Uh, <laughs> okay, you're going to give people the wrong idea. Okay, everyone's laughing about a funeral. It, t- it, took, it took me like half a second to be like, wait, what? Is that why we were uh, I guess we could talk about it later. It's, it's I, not, I, it's, it's not we last week. We were all Princess disconnect. Yeah, I have okay, it. At, yeah. I have it at the very end. There's a few things. We, we, uh, there, there, we have a few funerals this week, and that's yeah. There, there's a few, we we there's already a few have the title for this uh, this week's podcast: Princess Disconnect. Don't don't say that. That's uh, that's fucked up. All right, so well, uh, you're gonna you're gonna hurt you're gonna hurt some more Discord members, okay? So for those that are up to date and listening to our podcast as they go live, you know that we took a week off last week. Uh, we had, I think, like a good two year run or so going where we had met every week outside of uh, holiday breaks but last week the schedules just didn't work out so we decided to give ourselves a little break and you know what we deserved it so So uh, it was really funny when that was like i should probably like you know inform like you know people about that like through a tweet or something and then i had to like before i tweeted i was like oh yeah today's april fools as well so i had to like add on to the end this is not an april fool's joke Yeah, but I was out of town. Adam had a few uh, things going on. The schedules didn't line up, so we gave ourselves a break, and we deserved it. But uh, here we are. We're over a week into April, uh, so it's been a few weeks for us. We're catching back up, and we're probably not going to be covering everything that came out in the last two weeks, because then we'd be here for forever and a day. But we'll we'll hit the highlights. Luckily, it hasn't been too crazy crazy, but uh, we had a few announcements, some new gameplay footage of some exciting uh, upcoming anticipated games for the summer. So uh, we're just going to go back, uh, roll right back into it. So uh, from this point on, it should feel uh, feel pretty normal. So get back into the habit. Uh, So over the last two weeks, obviously, outside of us being out, we've been kind of as we go into April, which as Adam released uh, the RPG calendar for April 2023, it's a little bit quieter uh, compared to the insanity of January through March. So it's a good time to play catch up. Uh, when you last heard from us two weeks ago, uh, I had just started into Woe Long. We had people still working on Octopath. Uh, James had talked about Rise of Three a little bit. Uh, we have a few other games that people have been poking at as we uh, go into the second quarter of the year. But we're actually going to be starting with uh, a game that has kind of been kind of an interesting history on the site, and that is uh, Respawn's Star Wars Jedi series, specifically Star Wars Jedi Survivor. So we kind of briefly covered uh, what was the initial game in this in this series called? Fallen Order. Fallen, Fallen Order. Order. All right. So we 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 sort of covered that uh, a few years ago. Uh, I think George was was on the helm for that yeah. back when he was with us, and it was it was kind of an adjacent title, kind of a, an experimental thing. But Jedi Survivor, uh, it seems like I'm, I'm going to hand the conversation off over to James because we had the opportunity to uh, to go hands on, to go on, to go, you know, back back towards normalcy of uh, past the pandemic of uh, going to a preview event and get get to see the game firsthand ahead of time and uh, deciding that it actually really quite might fit our wheelhouse quite well. 
So, James, you had the opportunity to go see uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor uh, over the last two weeks. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of lead off with that because that was kind of the kind of the event of the month so far. Oh, yeah. Um, so like late last month, like the tail end of March, uh, like EA and Disney just had a huge preview event for this game. We're talking like I think there was like three sessions across two days and it was like 100 at least like demo stations they had set up. It was just uh, we talk about preview events every now and then. And like I did one in September for like Square Enix. It was much more low key. And I did one for five of five games that same month. It was much more low key. But every now and then you'll get these preview events, which are just absolutely like massive. And this was definitely one of those. Um, So I got a chance to play uh, about four hours of the game. I can't talk about anything story related pretty much because the mouse knows where I live and the embargo <laughs> for uh, what you can and can't talk about is basically half a mile long. It's like an um, annotated like bibliography almost like you can't talk about this or this or this date or this thing or this person or this name. It's it was quite a quite a detailed list of what you, what's what's allowed. Yeah. Uh, so it's just speaking about like gameplay. Uh, well, I did a whole like feature uh, during my shift this week, basically saying that um, this is definitely much more of an RPG than the first game. But does that distinction even really matter in this day and age with how many games go with RPG elements and like how many games are just like kind of on the cusp? Like we've never really covered like the uh, more <clears throat> modern God of War titles on the PS4 and PS5. But an argument could definitely be made that they're RPGs. They have levels. They have like stats on armor and like whatnot. I, th- I think it's like a, there's a bit of like uh, for me when I think about that. I, I I look at it from like the devil's advocate. Like you know, like I, I the, in some respects I do kind of see and I, I agree with that. But I think when I think about like what people want from an RPG site, I think about like people who yeah like think about what the like what traditional RPGs are like like. A lot of games these days have RPG elements, but does that define them as RPGs? And you think about yeah. like a lot of games do like plus eight percent frost resistance, plus two percent armor piercing. Like, does that actually yeah. matter? Does that make an RPG? Is that actually significant? Uh, sort of thing. Like, it, like, it, like I, I think about, um, <laughs> I think about like when um, I, I'm the one because in, in our staff channel on Discord in our the staff description. I jokingly wrote many years ago that everything is RPG these days on it. Um, and admittedly, I, I said I, I did that more when I wrote that. I, I remember that, like, I kind of wrote it like a in a joking way, in a more sort of like mocking like industry cheap, type yeah. of way. Yeah. It's because when you think about like what Western games have become thanks to like titles like the original Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, and like what placing a progression on multiplayer leveling up and like unlocking more of your arsenal, more guns, more of this, more perks, you know, that was revolutionary at the time. People really liked that progression and that was used for many, 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 many years to come. And then you started seeing more of like MMO elements mix into that uh, uh, of single player games. And, and, and now what we know as games as a service of games like destiny with the upcoming suicide squad, with like you said, God of War, uh, like the reboot and um, and Ragnarok, um, and that, and like I, I think about like yes, everything can be called the RPG these days, 
but when you, I think about like the perspective of like people who like RPGs before this, like do they call, consider them RPGs, and what do they really what what do people actually like about RPGs? Well, regardless, it, we decided that we are yeah. going to cover all, or we are going to yeah. cover Death Survivor, and we are going to do a review. People have already complained that yeah. we covered it, but yeah. we haven't we haven't been following like the beat of it, like posting every little update like we do for most RPGs that are releasing, because we understand it is sort of a fringe genre yeah. title and that's Based the weird on... thing about our website there's not that many websites that are genre websites outside of the rpg ones there's us and a few others that we're friends with um so we always kind of have to make those determinations and it's kind of case by case of yep. if we're going to cover it but not only is it just a yes we are no we're not it's also like how much yeah so. and, and they just like say that like you know everything that like we cover on the site is always RPG, right? Like I, I I'm, I'm fucking notorious for writing review one-off reviews for things that are not RPGs. Paranormal site and Centennial case, you know, I mean, and all that shit, right? And like, a, like, like adventure games, you know, the things that like maybe RPG fans would like like to to play. And I think about yeah, it that angle, but yeah. they're not RPGs and and any sense of the word at all. It's and all I don't, I mean, based on the response to the tweet of so one of James's features that he wrote up was about the you know. This line continues to blur, and that's not new to anyone. But it seems like in general, and I'm painting with a broad brush here, there's like this threshold that has to be met where if a game dips its toes, and we saw this with the Assassin's Creed, the last three titles there, if they dip their toes into this where they start having progression and you know bars to fill and levels and numbers, it becomes like it, there's like a stigma. It's bloat. It's, it's not needed. It's just grind. It's like in order for... A game to be more to to pass that threshold it's really got to commit to being like we are an rpg now or, or or in this instance we are really trying to land in this space and hit this audience and the game that i think of there is like a dragon uh yakuza like a dragon which is like a, the strange uh english title for that but then that game it's hard to identify like where is that threshold like how, how many rpg systems do you have to incorporate where it goes from being superfluous bloat to being genuine and that's going to be a different like value for everyone but like adam yeah. said regardless of where you draw that line or whether you think it's bloat or, or what but we're going to talk about jedi jedi uh jedi survivor right, right. yeah yes. um i don't know because we want to because no no other reason than that yeah. like i said in my uh and both of my articles this uh last week a part of it is yeah like even if it's not an rpg if People don't think it's enough of an RPG or anything like that. I think the changes that Jedi Survivor has made definitely would appeal more likely to uh, our audience, people that like RPGs. Like, just straight up, Jedi Survivor is a much larger game than Fallen Order. Like, just from its scope to what it does, it's like combat's been not retooled, but it's been expanded a great deal because now you have like five different stances that you can have access to. Um, from the get-go, you have pretty much all of uh, Cal's uh, abilities from Fallen Order. And then, like, it's like an expansion on those um, throughout the rest of the game. Uh, the levels, well, the worlds themselves are larger, more open. There's more side quests, like actual side quests with, like, named NPCs. One of the things I can talk about is that there's, like, a kind of hub now on this... Um, new planet of Kobo where you can like find people to like build up this town and unlock shops and new side quests and all sorts of things. 
and you can like find and tame mounts and like use them to uh sorry uh to uh like access parts of the world that you couldn't before there's like all sorts of little things that add up to uh and like increase the scope and all that sort of thing so yeah there, there's one last thing i'll mention oh go ahead go for it that, no i'm gonna go more to jedi uh survivor so you go uh when so james is going to review this game when it comes out later this month and this should be pretty obvious but i'm going to say it anyways when we review it we're not necessarily saying yes we declare this to be an rpg um but we're going to review it from that sort of lens that like james is talking about like how like the, these sorts of mechanics and progression systems and you know the, the exploration and environments and skills and things like that so we'll have like a certain lens on it but whether you know that's just whatever whatever label you want to slap on the game we can still offer an opinion on it basically yeah i i think i think i think the the one thing i just want to like you know obviously assure our audience always is like we're always thinking about like what makes sense for the site we're never like like closing our ears to like what people are saying what they think you know obviously we have our own desires too but you know we're always thinking about like you know what our audience wants as well you know what we, what makes sense for the site we're not like not covering puzzle games or sports games you know um i was i was gonna make a joke like well everything is an rpg these days except fifa or whatever or whatever they call it now they call it ea sports fc or whatever mm -hmm. it is. but but now it like adam two weeks ago or three weeks ago was like oh well actually <laughs> those know, they sports have games. Team. yeah then, and then you see pga tour on on steams like that's an rpg you know <laughs> tag, tag on it yeah, i was gonna say like there is a legitimate argument that like uh, ultimate team is just straight up an rpg so it's yeah. like hmm. it's 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 a, it's a dark rabbit hole but it is you know it does have those systems but you know like but at, but at the end of the day like i said i just i just want to let our audience know hey we're always thinking about you know what makes sense for the site from an rpg angle as well mm. so you know we, we're not we're, we're not like making the shift that like oh no fuck rpgs i say it jokingly sometimes seriously but mostly and joking. and we're also not saying like we declare this an rpg and if you disagree you're wrong like that to us yeah. i don't know i don't know if that even matters but less yeah. less meta commentary and more on the game itself uh so james tee this up for me i have not played fallen order um i've heard both fallen order and survivor very loosely and i apologize for this described as a souls like or at least a game that takes some inspiration from it uh is so I recently just finished Wolong. Obviously, there's so many games that are kind of occupying the space now. Do you think that comparison is valid? Is is it kind of that zone-based progression uh, with a slight Metroidvania elements, or is it more open than that? Just kind of tee us up, like what you when you're able to go hands-on, just kind of how the gameplay flow uh, worked out. Um, it's uh, definitely uh, well. I remember when Fallen Order first came out, and even when I previewed it, I said this is shockingly like Sekiro, which also came out in 2019, both of them did. So it's, like, obvious that they weren't directly, like, um, influenced Inspired. by it. Or, yeah, so it's, but uh, definitely a bit of that DNA. I think more uh, more likely the main thing is that they are very much Metroidvanias. Like, mm -hmm. you outright have, like, respawn staff saying, yeah, no, Metroid was an inspiration. Uh, funnily enough, there's, like, one moment in the Jedi Survivor build that I played where you're taught how to wall jump and it's a three little 
alien animals all jumping and you're following them. And it's like, ah, that's pretty much just straight up a super Metroid reference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's funny. I, so. I think the, the I, so correct me if I'm wrong if uh, like because I, I watched the B-roll footage of uh, Jedi Survivor and kind of been listening to what you've been saying and listening to what other content creators have been saying when they got hands on on this uh, uh, build of the game too. But from like you know I've been slowly working through Jedi Fallen Order or replaying Jedi Fallen Order to kind of refresh my memory uh, coming to the sequel and you know in Jedi Fallen Order a lot of it is very linear based like when you go to a new planet and jedi fallen order it's very narrow very guided and where you can go and like and, and it's and sometimes you know you can revisit a planet uh when you get like an ability uh a traversal ability that lets you like bypass um you know a certain like obstacle like for one of the earlier planets in jedi fallen order like you needed a double jump ability so that means you'd have to like revisit that planet later to, uh bypass that obstacle but it's still a very linear level design very like straight narrow hallways you can you can kind of branch off a little bit here and there but not by much in jedi survival what it looks like it's like there's a, when you like in the planet that you saw it, it seems like a very more open zone approach it seems like it seems like a like a bigger land masses where you can like kind of go where you want and have more activities to do it, yeah like, it, it's it's still like linear in the same sense that fallen order is like I said it's like a Metroidvania, but I guess if I was going to compare it to any specific Metroid game, it's definitely the structure is more like for both Fallen Order and it seems like Jedi Survivor is more like Metroid Prime 3. Okay. Where it's like, where it's like you do have like once you get like certain abilities, you can go backwards and do more things and whatnot. But the actual like experience of going through the game, there's like bits and pieces of stuff off to the side, but the general like flow of the game is basically linear and it seems like they like yeah like but but there'll be like like open uh options like say like when you mount an animal like say there's like a super high ledge and like some of the b-roll footage is like hey this animal can jump high so what you can actually do is like you jump on this animal then right at the peak of its jump you can jump off of it to reach this higher ledge this area so there's like a, there's like an element of like using like the wildlife of a planet as like a traversal resource God, yeah, this reminds yeah, me. Yeah. Th this this conversation makes me like, man, I gotta play Dread. <laughs> I want to play it. Um, but yeah, th th those are things that like really made me like, oh, that's really interesting. Like that, this is the, their approach on like uh, when building like a sequel to Fallen Order. Like, what what things are they doing to like shake it up? And obviously, like you mentioned earlier, there's like five stances uh, for uh, lightsabers. Now you have the obviously the one handed. Uh, and the and the double sided Darth Maul style coming back from Fallen Order, but then they also showed off like these. You could actually split off like your light lightsaber, like to have two separate sabers detached from each other. Um, yep, and then you can also get a uh, basically a great sword type stance where it's like you get a Kylo Ren style lightsaber. Oh, that's sick! Okay, I didn't know that. Um, and then uh, you also uh, can get a blaster style. So it's like I'm not sure if it's like lightsaber and blaster or just blaster but it's oh, that's definitely, interesting they, yes. did, 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 did you get to see those or uh you just yes uh very okay. specifically what they did is that since the build we played we only got access to the first three uh stances like uh regular lightsaber dual bladed and then dual swords uh they after our session like one of the uh, respawn uh, guys uh loaded up basically a uh combat room that they designed just to showcase like all like all of what you can get access to to like give people an idea of what you you eventually can unlock which mm -hmm. smart move on their part probably yeah. so that's that, interesting that, 
Yeah. And I also like uh like combat, like it just the overall game flow seems more fluid than Jedi Fallen Order. Like even down to like the default camera angle, because like uh, in Fallen Order, like yeah, Cal was very much in the center of your camera and you're moving him around. While in in Jedi Survivor, he's like slightly more to the left now. As you can start, it's especially noticeable like when you start like running with him and like the overall character animation and moving through the environment is like just feels a lot more fluid. Like it, like it feels a little bit stiff in Jedi Fallen Order, while in this one they really ironed it out, and like it, it makes me um, optimistic that like you know platforming won't be as. Um, like I remember like the launch, the launch date of Jedi Fallen Order was like kind kind of rough, especially like from the platforming angle. Like it wasn't as sticky as you wanted it to be. While this one, um, it really seems like they've learned a lot of lessons from Jedi Fallen Order. In that in that aspect, where it just it just feels like the whole game move like moves smoothly now. It feels like it re- reacts in a way that you wanted to. Like you're not you're not like you don't you don't like go to a ledge or a, and make a jump. And it feels like you're stuck at the mercy of like the engine or what animation that character will yeah. want to do. What's yeah, the it's like, start, what's the release date for Survivor? Uh, April twenty eighth. So, oh, so pretty close. Three yeah. weeks. Yeah, yeah, three weeks from now. Um. Yeah, it's it's definitely not, I'd say, like completely perfect, but it is definitely a step up from Fallen Order. And that's honestly especially impressive considering this is coming out three and a half years after Fallen Order for a triple A game that's basically been developed entirely dirt like at like during and after COVID. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> how quick the turnaround is, especially with like having a much larger scope and all of that it's like it's, man. it's really interesting too that like when you think of when you just talked about the release date like they're only showing like the first real gameplay footage of this game just right now like just a few weeks before launch like yeah. first real, real eyes on on the gameplay and that's uh, that's a strategy i really like you know i like just seeing this and then just like a few weeks later hey here we are you can go play it for yourself you don't have to wait months and months and months you know of like preview footage <laughs> to, to yeah. get your hands on it and to be clear, them waiting for like until la- like near launch doesn't feel like them trying to hide the game because like it was a lengthy preview like like uh, session and they just went all out with how many people they invited and just the whole event as a whole. Like it's clear that both EA and I guess Disney are really confident in this and it's going to be interesting to see how the full game like uh, stacks up. I'm excited. Cool. What was the atmosphere like at the event? Like, and you say there was like a lot of people. Like, what was like the general vibe that you were getting from people there? Electric. Uh, people were really happy with what they got to play, and like, were really surprised. Like, with the like, like I, I feel like I only really talked with other press there, so it's like mm-hmm. people had played Fallen Order and have maybe, well, with preview events, you always are generally a bit more positive, obviously. But uh, the main thing that pretty much everyone agreed is like, man, this is a bigger upgrade than i expected especially for how like little time they've had to develop it it's like this is like shaping up really well surprisingly yeah I guess that's, that's surprising. a really good sign you guys like, like remember like jedi fallen order was like the 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 game that convinced ea hey single player games still sell you know we should probably start making more oh i, more I had forgotten about editions. those conversations but yeah yeah like, ea please and i guess we were, we were, we were talking also, about like the, it's also uh, insane that um like like i do not know whatever specific numbers they had for this preview event but it seems like 
at least like seven figures were spent on it. So it's like they are confident about this game. And it's like, wow. man, I who like you, you always know that like Disney has a ton of money and then you actually go to one of these events and it's like you see them having the full force of the company behind it. It's like kind of scary. <laughs> it's like, well, oh. that's what I was going to say. Like a lot of times with the U.S. based companies, we don't work a lot with Activision, with EA, with Microsoft. Um, so we don't get to see that too often, though Microsoft for the longest time has kind of had that in the queue for a lot of their new RPG studios, but it hasn't come to fruition quite yet. We are still waiting on Fable. You know? yeah. <laughs> really yeah. want to see what that, what that's shaping up. Um, um, you know, like uh, the, back to our conversation, like uh, what makes this more like a, a, a slanting more an RPG. Like you know, when I saw the beautiful footage, I saw the like the different stances of like they don't have like you you don't have numerical. They don't put numbers on like their stats, but they do have like little bars and gauges. Like oh, what's the, the speed of this or the attack power of this? Yeah. So it's not so. Tell us a little bit about that. What you saw there. It's definitely like uh, different stances for different situations. They have different like modifiers and like different moves. It's like it's um, not so much a character action game yet, but it's definitely more depth to what was already a. I'd say it was a more inserviceable combat. And, and this building on top of yeah, this building on top of like the skill tree system yeah. that the first one had, where you, like you know you can you gain experience, you gain a skill point, yeah, and then you can slot that in. And they, they all have they all seem to have different trees. Uh, it looks yeah, like yeah, right? yeah. Uh, and okay. Respawn was like very candid about it, where it's like we didn't want to reinvent the combat system. We just wanted to expand upon it. It just so happened that a lot of what people wanted was stuff that they were already thinking about and like working towards. So worked out for them, which is always nice to hear. Um, but uh, one thing I did go over in my preview is that like there's a lot more stuff that you can find and unlock in the world. Like there's more customization options. You can find permanent health and force upgrades instead of just the like health canister things in the environment. Uh, like customization, like they heard people complaining about like the ponchos loud and clear. There's like you can change Cal's hairstyle, including like its facial hair. You can change both like his like uh, shirt pants and like boots like separately i think uh, pants and boots separately don't yeah, worry yeah. on that um, i had forgotten about the poncho stuff um yeah it's it's, he, it's still like it's very very like obvious when you go back to the, like fall in order it's like when you pick up a chest it's like yeah it's just like gonna be a cosmetic thing again for <laughs> this poncho yeah. or like the color of the robot or the color of the ship yeah and like the customization for pretty much everything has been expanded like you can like fully customize bd now like even his parts you can find different parts to make him look pretty much completely different um you can more like readily um you can like mix and match parts of your lightsaber there's like five or six different things you can swap out and for everything every part you can change like the the um color on it and how much polish there is on that section of the lightsaber <laughs> That's silly. That's, yeah. that's, that's a little in depth, but okay. Yeah. I, okay, I, I never knew that people like to customize like lightsabers like that until Fallen Order. Like when I was like when I saw that customization the first time, Fallen Order, I'm like, do people really give a shit about like this? Like when oh, customizing what? lightsabers, I didn't know that there's like a culture for it. You know, I just thought lightsabers was like lightsabers, and then yeah. they they slice through things really easily. Yeah, people love that. I mean, it. Yeah, just. Lots more customization options, lots more like, uh, well, anyways, the one thing I want to talk about is you can also unlock traits and you have like three slots 
and traits have different numbers of slots they'll take up and they like can buff certain aspects of you. Like they can, I'd have to like look over like, um, I don't remember exactly what it, the one I found buffed, but it's like it actually buffs aspects of your like stats themselves mm. and c- they can do different things. Um, so you can find those and like I could see that there was at least 25 different traits you could find throughout the world and like they're pretty much all optional. Um, so it's like, like if the one main complaint people had from the first game was not enough customization, and as a result of that, it didn't feel like there was enough reason to explore. Well, you get permanent stat upgrades you can find, you can find traits, you can find much like a much larger variety of customization options. There's actual side quests now with like it. It's a lot more. It's a lot more, and I think people are going to be happy with uh, at least from what I've seen. I think people are going to be happy with. Uh, the expanded scope of uh like the side activities and whatnot yeah i'm looking forward to it like i i think the the jedi fall order was always meant to be like a good like establish the foundation first even if it may, may be feeling it's a little slim like it's important to like get the base down and making sure hey do people like this and what do they think about this and i think you know the the reception to it was very very positive and people were like okay you're onto something you know after a lot of like string of like pretty disappointing star wars games up until that point you know that yeah it, it, it was very important for them to to establish that so now they can really go all out with the sequel and like really respond to those the, the feedback yeah. that they i remember that what was the jedi series that had star killer um with like alternate uh, universe yeah because we had like forced unleash and forced unleash 2 and also, then that was not alternate universe when it came out it was canon at the time <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, my favorite Soul Caliber character, Star Killer. Yeah, but uh, I forgot that was canon at the time. But um, because we had those two games in like the late PS3 era, and then it was kind of like mobile web browser stuff, which is you know, which front. Oh yeah, I guess that is true. Like EA Battlefront, and then Jedi Survivor was like the return to quote unquote form for the ip in terms of uh ever since you know lucas is lucas arts like does that does that as an entity still exist like if you boot up this game does the lucas arts logo show up or is that is that no longer a thing i don't think so but granted i didn't see I the game they're called lucas film games now and because because okay so they would be like the the publishing or the ip holder and then respawn of course being the uh the developer yeah the, the wikipedia calls them the licensor. So they basically gotcha. are making kind of like the decision, like who gets to make our games. So gotcha. And without going into details about the story, I guess vaguely I can say that, well, you've been playing through Fallen Order, Josh. Mm-hmm. The story is fine, but it definitely feels like something that would be like canon, but not necessarily like uh, groundbreaking. It doesn't really change anything about the Star Wars universe. It's a very safe story that, like, you can like kind of uh, put off to the side. Like, yeah, you can you can slot it in somewhere in the Star Wars canon if you want, but it's not like like you said, it's not like shaking up anything. Like that's I. I will say without like again talking about what exactly the story is, the impression that pretty much everyone at the preview event got from Jedi Survivor is that is definitely not the case this time. That's They've exciting. been given the kings, to, well, the keys to the kingdom, so to speak. Oh. It'll be interesting to see how people feel about that. I I, I think the, the the one thing they really need to establish is like Cal Cal still doesn't really feel like 
a real character by the end of Fallen Order. <laughs> I mean, I, I like it. Uh, like, you know, if people, like, I, I hope they really do something like major they, to them in this one. Yeah, they well, like even like, and again, this, what I played was near the beginning of the game. They've definitely set up uh, something with Cal that I think is going to be interesting, like to see how it goes throughout the rest of the game. And yeah, again, I, I, I am like <laughs> tiptoeing about like talking about this stuff. Cause I can't say anything yeah, specific, yeah. but it's uh it, I, as someone that felt the same or it's like, this is fine, but it feels kind of milk toast. It's yeah. This does feel like they have been given the opportunity to really flesh out stuff. And I'm, I am excited for that. Yeah, thankfully people won't have to like wait long. You know, it's only just a few weeks till end of the month, and yeah, we'll all we'll be uh, playing it. Like, I'm definitely gonna get this at launch, and can't wait to you know see what I think. I'll play Metroid Dread, and then I'll be ready for Fallen Survivor or whatever oh, this is go. called. Fallen, awesome. you can tell how much I you can tell how much I'm Survivor. <laughs> uh, Survivor uh, I'll just say Disney era Star Wars has not quite latched on to me yet but i kind of stopped caring the franchise after after the last that i'm one of those guys <laughs> yeah well maybe maybe like i'm guessing fallen survivor um fallen survivor fallen order god damn it <laughs> uh I'm, I'm, I'm guessing uh it goes on pretty deep discounts uh on steam pretty regularly oh so yeah I'll, oh yeah I'll, like I'll, the last one was like eight eight to nine bucks like yeah so, so like, I, I, at that point i'll be like uh it's 40 bucks right now but all right but uh, at that point, I'll be like, all right, at some point, I'll give it a chance and see how I feel about I, it. Because I think it's still on Game Pass. I, 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 th- I think yeah, I, I feel like I feel like Fallen Order and, and I assume Survivors like I feel like it's so far away from like Star Wars canon that like you're fine, like not even not, not knowing much about Star Wars. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like uh, like in general, very popular co- pop culture knowledge, like what the force is, what the what Jedi are and what a lightsaber is. That's pretty much all you kind of really need to know going in <laughs> honestly mm-hmm. you don't have to really worry about like the rest like yeah do you like do, do you have you seen the off uh, a film or a clip of a film of some dude swinging a light a light sword that can cut through all anything then yeah you probably know enough you don't need you don't need to have like some l- love or obsession for the star wars fandom or series or anything like that to like appreciate you know just a solid game So obviously, we as we kind of covered in our little meta commentary earlier in the podcast, we will be covering Jedi Survivor when it releases later in the month. But kind of cool to see the preview event and kind of sort of see some things rounding back into form as we get out of this strangeness of 2020, 2020 2021, and 2022. The second game that we have on the list here is one that I'm not sure we've been covering on the site, and that is uh, Grim Grimoire. Which yeah, we haven't really covered it because once again, it's not really RPG either. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It feels more RPG to me than more of other games. It's a real-time strategy game. So is this uh is this the uh remaster of the of like a 2007 title or is this something different? This is yeah, there's a re-release of a, it's a remaster of a PS2 uh vanillaware PS2 title. This is Grim mm-hmm. Grimoire once more. Yeah. This is uh yeah, this is originally released on the PS2, like you said, was it 2005? I I forgot already. Uh, it's 2007. 2007? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 the, this was a really unique title at the time for the PS2. This was uh a 2D real-time strategy game that was only on console. 
Um, and it was made by Vanillaware. It was very, very out of nowhere for them at the time. It was like, like, like when you're thinking about like that era of Vanillaware, you knew them from Odin Sphere, and and you knew them from one other title. I can't remember off the Princess top of my head. Crown. Like, yeah, Princess, Princess Crown. Crown wasn't released in the West, but people used right. to hype up like Odin Sphere. It's like, hey, it's like this this RPG that no one heard of for the Sega Saturn. It's like it's a developer in this game. If you look at it, it's like, wow, this had very awesome two D art, and you know, and yeah, yeah, but then, but oh, then, then vanilla the gameplay, yeah. yeah, but when you got to the gameplay of the original, it's like very, very hit or miss for people, and especially the performance issues. So yeah, Grim Grimoire was a very unique thing at the time. And I, I remember, like, I, I played this, you know, at the original release, and I was like, wow, this is really cool, but it feels too cramped on a 4x3 uh, screen on, like, a small-ass TV. Like, like the, the concept seems really cool, but, man, I wish I had more screen space to work with. And here we are, how many years later, like, with a re-release that really makes you the 16 by 9 aspect ratio, full HD. Um, so Grim Grimoire is about this... Uh, Young aspiring magician, uh, Lilette Blan, Blan, yeah, um, and she attends this like sort of like magic academy because she wants to learn, you know, how, how to become a, a sorceress, essentially. So, and then you you kind of, it, it's a very simple story about like she gets to meet like a very like a wide variety of characters. Most of them are like kind of instructors. Are you sure um, you're not talking about Harry Potter? I'm not, I'm kind of sidestepping that is that is a little bit like you know, like you know uh, that, but you know, um, but there's really fun names to it. Like you have like names like Margarita Surprise and Martino Valentine, uh, you know, and just uh, very very like nice uh, names. I don't know if this had voice acting back then, but the, I think this one the voice acting is new in, in this. It, in, it uh, had voice water. acting in the original. Did it? Uh, the problem with the original in the voice acting is that. Uh, they didn't fix the the lip flaps if you switch to Japanese audio, so it only uh-huh. matches the English audio. Oh my god! Like I was trying to remember, I was like, did it even have the audio? Yeah, I remember like, that okay. that bug okay. and I just stopped okay. playing the game because I was that's like funny. A, a super weeb back in the day. I said the Japanese audio. I mean, nothing ever changed, so I just <laughs> and you're like, wait, the lips don't match. Okay, I'm done. I can't play. Yeah, it yeah, but I mean, this one, like you know, um. It doesn't. It doesn't really change. Like this re-release doesn't change as much as like say Odin Sphere Lathrosphere. Like it doesn't like remake the gameplay. This is just like kind of giving you more like quality of life convenience. Obviously, with the better aspect ratio, you can uh, customize cursor speed. You can uh, there's like uh, you know button maps on like like you know uh, like selecting all units or selecting specific units, and then like a turbo function with like uh, making it fast forward at um, you know different speeds. As like things are getting constructed, because in this game, like Chow said, is a real time strategy game. So this game is really all about uh, unit management and uh, gathering resources to uh, build up your army. So like the like the basic 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 gameplay is there are these like um, magical circles that you can um, utilize to build new units from. Um, but in order to get units, you kind of need like uh, this crystal resource. So you have like these uh, certain like worker units, uh, build worker units to go gather crystal, these crystal resources like from specific points in the map. So they need like open up a gateway and then they'll, they'll automatically, um, once you truck them, they'll automatically be on a loop to like, hey, let's go gather re- this resource. And they travel to it, they travel back to your like uh, magical circle and like you'll be accruing. You know more and more of these crystal resources, and then 
uh, once you get enough, you can like level up this magical circle, which allows you to uh, construct like more complex units. So like the very very first things are like you have like these elves, worker elves that like you can uh, instruct them to go back and forth between like these nodes uh, that have crystals or gateways that like lead to crystals, and then they go back and forth. You crew enough to like level up your magical circle, and now uh, at level two you can now construct like fairy units that have arrows, and then they they round they um they aren't bound by like the platforming on the map they don't have to like manually go up and down they can just like fly up and down um uh like freely because they have wings so they're very good at like traversing the map very quickly they're kind of squishy but yeah the, the, they're kind of uh jack of all trades so to speak um meanwhile like you have a, a later on when you uh start learning another grimoire from like the uh, necromancy instructor, you'll learn like a whole separate uh, like set of units, but have that different attributes for you get like worker units, but like from a necromancy field. So instead of elves, your worker units are now like these astral wisps, um, where they they instead like worker elves can like travel horizontally back and forth, left and right from the their crystal resource back to your magical circle. But since these astral wisps, wisps are like freely floating around, they uh, are more easily able to like um, gather things up and down vertically. So like if the crystal resource is like by your magical circle, but it's like a few floors up, you may want to uh, use a necromancy remore instead to utilize these workers so they have a more direct access way. Because if you used elves, they'd have to they'd take an eternity to go, you know, get the resource, and then they have to go travel down the stairs, back to the circle, then go back up, back to that gateway, instead of, like, traveling in between um, more directly. So they carry that property uh, in that aspect, and you're just making use of the map design from there on, and then love that necromancy magical circle. Instead, you have these knights, big, big knights that are very powerful, and, like, uh, Normal enemies cannot touch them because they're like uh, phantoms. They have the phantom attribute, but the the downside to them is that they're pretty slow to like traverse around, and they're they're they're, they're not like uh, the fairies where they're like they can travel like all across that. They have to utilize like the stairs, because they, they don't have wings to fly around and stuff stuff like that. So it's a lot of like a lot of like the beginning of the game was like learning about like these different rewards and different. Um, aspects of the academy that you're at um now, i'll admit that it's, a, it's somewhat tricky to follow this without a visual aid right but it from what you're saying it definitely sounds like a real-time strategy game where you have to consider the pathfinding of your yeah. units and how they go from point a to point b yeah so that's so, definitely yeah. an element of rts and, and, and the, the basic your basic you know um objective in most maps is essentially hey there's like you're up against an opponent that has like these similar resources where they'll have like defense towers and like a magical circle. So you have to construct an army, get like a, a an economy going uh, for you, and then go assault them. So, and yeah, while while defending all like fending off any attacks that you may get from them. So it's it, it's a very um it's a very basic RTS in that aspect. But like kind of the 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 lore behind it, and like the of course the vanillaware flavor and all like you know seeing all of this stuff like in hd is great it's like it's really funny because like when you think about vanillaware when you think about like when you make progression on their games like 
the 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 reward you get like in Grim Grimoire, for example, when you like complete a stage, like here's a new brand new artwork. Like you know, it's not new art artwork for the game, but it's like here's a new artwork that you unlocked in the game. It's like yeah, this looks like a vanillaware illustration. It looks gorgeous and beautiful, especially in like you know much higher resolution now. And like I'm just thinking of like like there's not really like a lot of other games that like as you like hey congratulations on beating this stage. Here's like a gorgeous new artwork that you unlocked and like we're just gonna put it play it right in center here for you to like gaze at and then you let us know when you're ready to like continue and you're just there for like a few moments going like holy crap man vanilla bear art is like none other really and yeah you also have like you know the the crediting like the 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 illustrator and like and like a comment about like what they think of like you know kind of giving like a some some text about like the piece that they wrote and of course like some of this illustration some of these illustrations have like food on them and you know when it comes to vanillaware games they they love their food that kind of like, reminds sometimes... me of the uh the soundtrack uh sound <laughs> sound room in tactics ogre reborn where it actually right. gave some like comments about those put together it's kind of really nice to see games kind of give more attention to crediting those appropriately rather than yeah. just kind of letting them go unappreciated yeah, it's not, it's not like as like the descriptions aren't as lengthy as the liner notes from Tactics Ogre, but it's like it's a nice flavor text of like kind of like giving life to like the, the the picture of like of the artists themselves, like briefly describing the picture in a few words, uh, you know, so it, it, it's 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 a fun it, it's fun, you know, it's nothing like super, super amazing, like yeah, in the grand scheme of things, but it's like it's one of those things that like I, I like supporting Vanilla Bear and I like, you know, I usually like their games, so. That's just like a just a, a little tiny bit of like, well, you know what I've been playing here and there, along with you know Jedi Fallen Orders re replay, and then uh, along with Resident Evil Four as well, which I did finish the campaign on, and I've been playing a shit ton of Mercenaries now that it's out. Then that's been those the Grim Grimoire and Resident Evil Four has been mainly consuming my time. But yeah, that's uh, I, I'm really excited to see what Vanilla Bears has cooking, man. I mean, the last day, the last time we saw anything new from them, like what they were look uh. What their next game was was from that Thirteen Sentinels prologue. This that was that came out in Japan before the Japanese release of Thirteen Sentinels. That was the last have, time. Like, um, <laughs> like a big showing, something and people were expecting something big, but it's like it's too soon. Now it usually takes a while to come up with something. Like, totally that's, a, the, that's the vanilla rare classic. They'll say, "Hey, guess what? We're, we're working on something." It's like, okay, you see it, and then it's like, "All right, peace out." And then the, you let them cook for like seven to eight years, and then they'll be back again with something new. That you're like, holy shit. So am I, am I misremembering or did they say that they want to port Mur like port Muramasa to a different platform? But there was like something preventing them. I th there was a there's a recent Kamitani interview. I forgot from which outlet. I don't know if I don't want to mis misattribute which outlet. There was definitely a, a, a recent interview with George Kamitani, Kamitani about it, and someone did ask, Hey, are you considering you know bringing Muramasa to modern systems? He's like He's like, I'd like to, but you know, there's several things be basically behind the scenes that's like preventing us from doing it. People assumed it might mean, uh, like source code lost or maybe a publishing, you know, license issue or something. Yeah, because the, the, that was a weird one because I think like the because the original V release was like under one publisher and then like the Vita release was like another uh, like was under Xseed. So I don't I don't know what's really good. Was it a claim? Uh, Who was it? I remember the Wii release is under some default. Uh, ignition. Ignition, that's what it was. <laughs> uh, people hated that translation a lot, but when I showed it to yeah. my friends, it's like, yeah, that seems kind of understandable. But it's, you know, I don't think that's sufficing. It doesn't capture, like, all the old 
folklore Japanese. Tournament. Yeah, the the the, the V version was fa- pretty rough on like the the script front, uh, but you know the the XC lo- localization was much much better. So you know, hopefully they find a way to you know get Muramasa onto. Oh, wait a second, systems. I thought that uh, Axis published uh, Rebirth. I thought it was like Xseed. It's Axis, it should be. Oh, was it Axis? Oh, my bad. I thought it was Xseed for some reason. Weird. No, I think that Xseed actually published the Wii version. Oh my god, this is so confusing. Yeah, Yeah, it was... Okay, like... No, no, it was Ignition. I can understand why you were confused, though, because um, Marvelous is the publisher for both the Wii and and the Vita version. Okay, yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, that yeah, that's <clears throat> okay. Just, just, that makes just to make sure to give them credit, it looks like that statement was made to a Nintendo f- website, Nintendo Rose, based in Spain. Okay, thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. I yeah. wonder if it might be a case of if they want to port it, they might want to get it on Switch, and maybe there, um, the rebirth content, there might be something where it's like that was like a major game they showcased that like one of the Vita's like original like announcement conferences. I wonder if they signed something that said that it has to stay like PlayStation exclusive. I wonder. Yeah. I don't know, but the, you know, I, the, slowly but surely, right? I mean, the Vita Lover sure d- does have an interest to like, you know, get, bring more modern releases. Of their older titles, you know, very, very well, we're getting there. We started with Odin Sphere, now the Grim Grimoire. So, you know, baby steps, you know, <laughs> in the next 50 years, surely by then. So, Grim Grimoire, once more, just recently released in the West uh, for PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch. I, be- is, I believe it's just those two, not PC. Yeah, it's oh, only yeah. those two. I, I wish yeah. it got a PC release, but. You know, first like like with Odin Sphere, it never got a PC release. Right. Um, so that's so that, kind of funny, though. I, I was just gonna say when you mentioned Exit just like a while ago, they did have one game that they asked Exit to localize for them, but their hands got full and they did, and they just canceled the whole thing. Do you remember Grand Night History? Grand Night's History, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was right oh. around the time they were having issues because of probably uh, the sky bombing. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, it's a. I would like to see. I, I wonder if that's if that's ever on the table again to like get that game a re-release because Grand Knight's history is um is it's a pretty interesting game. I don't know how I don't know how you how well like you can retain certain elements of it because like there's a certain online element that was like pretty, like it, it kind of defined its identity to some extent with the, its online interactions. Um, there was like a there was like a school successor i forgot what it was called like grand kingdom or something yeah it was like a somewhat spiritual it wasn't by vanillaware i remember i played that and it was really weird in the sense that the like gameplay setup was almost like a board game yeah so like yeah like it like the like the whole campaign to it was like kind of almost prepping you for the online part because the online part of it when it was active was a fascinating like grand kingdom like yeah. on, like active online was like it's like some of the most interesting like online interactions that you'll have because it is like sort of like a board game mixed with like a side scroller rpg <laughs> some I, I aspects want, yeah i just want to say that like some of the games that came out around that time for rpgs it feels like a bit of a fever dream thinking about yeah. that it's like anyone remember natural doctrine oh yeah oh I yeah it. i gave it a five uh, yeah, that, that, was, that, was game, that was a game with all the arrows and the text, right? Like, like the UI looked like a nightmare, right? 
Yeah, it was a nightmare. Like, I know people that actually like that game, but also, I mean, I feel like I I can't blame a single damn person that didn't like that game because it was a nightmare. Dude, uh, that, that game, that, I just have to say, whoever whoever did the U- English UI for that game is like, whatever they had working on that game, I kind of want some. Share, hey, share some. <laughs> that was, I don't know, like, when you, I imagine, like, when you think about, like, UI design classes, it's like they kind of like put up a screenshot of like fun facts uh, of Detro Dog, like, don't do this. Uh, fun fact before he really started doing uh video game uh, voice acting, apparently Sean Chiplock did like uh, QA testing for that game for Nisa. That's awesome. The only reason I know that is a few anime expos ago, he wasn't actually there for the show, he was just had a pass to go in for a like uh a panel. And mm-hmm. he saw that there was like that needs to have like PS4 copies of Natural Doctrine. They were selling for like 15, 20 bucks. And he just asked, hey, can you buy a copy for me? And he explained why he wanted one, whatnot. <laughs> That's well, funny. He, he does speed runs for Cold Steel games, apparently. So yeah. He's quite the programmer himself. Yeah. And he plays like tons of dungeon RPGs. So it's like he, he has the brain worms to understand Natural Doctrine. Uh, so. he, he he played Dragalia Lost with me at Anime Expo uh, when, when that was that game was still alive, and he, he freely told me he like spent like six hundred dollars on the New Year New Year's banner that year. Oh, like cool! God, <laughs> I remember your favorite message, Josh. You think that game was gonna last longer than Princess Connect? Oh, the Discord. See, oh <laughs> yeah, I was the Discord. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the things like I definitely cannot take back now. Reminds me, reminds me of my confidence in Marvel Avengers. I thought that game was too big to fail. Well, was Dragalia Lost? Was that before or after Fire Emblem Heroes? It was after, right? It was, it was after, after yeah. yeah okay. And I mean, Dragalia Lost lasted a decent time mm-hmm. as far as mobile games go. Just, yeah. The third game that I have on the list here for this podcast is uh, putting some final touches, some finishing thoughts on one of the latest releases of the first quarter of the year, and that is Atelier Rise of Three that was originally set to release in February and then got moved to uh, late March. So two weeks ago, uh, James was able to give some in-progress thoughts on his time with Atelier Rise of Three, but now that uh, it sounds like you've had a chance to finish the game, and even though you're not covering for us uh, covering it in respect for the site in terms of a review, we figured uh, Rise of Three, for those that have been eager or interested in potentially starting or continuing the Rise of Series, uh, just what are your thoughts on the closeout of, uh, obviously it's kind of unprecedented for an Atelier game to have a, a full trilogy following the same protagonist. Uh, so what are your thoughts yep. on the closeout of Rise of Three? It has been two weeks since I last talked about it, so I don't remember exactly like the mm-hmm. bits and pieces that I went over last time. Uh, but uh, I will say two things. One, I am pretty sure that the Rise of 1 and 3 development teams were the same, and I think the Rise of 2 development team was mostly different because there are some aspects of Rise of 2's quality of life features that just did not make the transition over to 3, and some aspects of the battle system that I really liked did not make the transition to 3, and um, just the overall game design is much more in line with 1. And not that that's a bad thing, but as someone that very much did prefer Rise of 2 over Rise of 1, it's a bit disappointing. Uh, so it makes me wonder, like, uh, who, like, and this is the thing that sucks, is that 
like the Atelier series is so so much more niche that you can't exactly find the credits easily. So I'd have to like look over like YouTube videos and like compare and contrast and see, okay, what's different about the two teams. Um, it's like maybe the next Atelier game will be the Rise of Two team or something. I don't know. Um, and they, and they might not they might not have rigid boundaries and it's a little bit of speculation, but it would yeah. it would explain how they were able to get Rise of Two a year out after one and then and yeah. then required more time to get three out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Rise of Three, I enjoyed it a great deal. It's uh, definitely the largest scope for an Atelier game and much more of a story focus, which is great. But it also kind of sucks that Rise of Three's translation is bad. <laughs> Like uh, when I was playing it before, I said, oh, it's a bit rough. There's issues. It's like not it's it could be better. But now that I finished it and I've like really kind of absorbed it, it's like. This translation, it needs a few patches. It is. Oh, boy. Does it follow the same cadence, as you mentioned, with like the gameplay? Like how, how does it compare to the localization translation of one and two? Uh, ones was also fr- fairly dry, but was all right. Twos, I'd say, was a better translation than one. Um, but uh, like, just to be blunt, I mean, Koei Tecmo has never been excellent at uh, localizations, with a few exceptions. And like, I- as I like said elsewhere, I'm not too surprised that Rise of Three turned out this way because it was the first real simultaneous launch for uh, Gust. And combine that with the fact this has way more text than previous Atelier games. I I can see how they would run into that issue. It was like just a perfect storm or like the opposite of a perfect storm, if you will. So an imperfect storm. Yeah, it's sorry, I'm eating a snack. <laughs> yeah, it it's a shame. Like uh I people have like pointed out like on Twitter and whatnot, like specific examples of the localization having issues. And it's like, I'm not going to like bring them up here. It's just like, it's, it's a shame. Like if I'm going to ever replay rise of three, I will definitely play it in Japanese because I mean, I have like, I'm in a position where that would make more sense for me, but uh, it toy Tecmo needs to patch this up. Like, and just, um, I saw you posting some of the, images of the localization on your Twitter. And it's not necessarily that it's just like a wrong like translation of the Japanese. It's just the way that it's translated is just like the characters did not sound like it's very natural, like something you would actually say in English. It sounds very robotic or very the cadence of the of the sentences and oh, the framing there's... of the sentences is just like completely sounds like not human. Yeah. It's there's definitely mistranslations too and uh, whatnot, but it's just like it's again, I'm not going to go over the specifics because there's just so much to talk about. And it's such a big game with so much text. It's like. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I'm not reviewing it again like I, we need to see like, I don't know what. Um, uh, who's reviewing it again? Nathan. Nathan. Nathan, yeah, I, we'll see what Nathan feels about. But like we've had discussions in the staff channel where like when I was going through, it's like this localization's kind of rough. And he even said the same thing. So I wouldn't be shocked if his if his review ends up mentioning those issues as well. So we'll see. But uh, yeah. And and just to state it before someone digs in and corrects, uh, Atelier Sophie 2 was also simultaneous, but Rise of 3 is the first of its trilogy to be um, simultaneous. Mm-hmm. 
I, mean, I haven't so. played Sophie uh, too because I haven't really played any of the mysterious uh, games. I need to go back and play them, but uh, like I'm not going to play Sophie two unless I played Sophie one, and I'd want to play like also Furious and um, Lydia and Suel as well. What oh, you yeah, should I mean, do is just, just start. Just start the the Atelier series fresh with the the Marie uh, remake or or the original version packaged in, and then just work your way up. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think Sophie Two was the first worldwide release, and then Rise Three was has been the second. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. So we we don't really know. Like Nathan's been pretty quiet and on our end about what his thoughts are on the game. I think he was struggling a little bit with the battle system uh, in terms of like having to grind a bit, but. Obviously, he'll he'll get his full thoughts written up, and we'll, we'll see what he thinks uh, on the site. But we've at least been able to get some hands-on with Rise of Three from someone who's really enjoyed the first, and especially the second game, and you know, it placed really highly on some of our previous, uh, you know, end-of-year listings. So Rise of Three sounds like it carries a lot of the same strengths, but just comes uh, comes a bit short in some areas in a disappointing way in terms of its localization and some quality of life features that are missing in the second game. The last game that I have slotted here to talk about, at least briefly, is that after finishing Woe Long, which I, I talked basically all my thoughts two weeks ago, and they haven't really changed since then, uh, I decided to play the the just recently released last Wave 4 DLC pack for Fire Emblem Engage, which feels like you know forever ago, but that was like the big first release of 2023 for our site and for you know RPGs in general. Uh, I don't know when that game was announced, if we expected all the DLC to be without to be out within three months, uh, but it is. Um, most of the DLC for Fire Emblem Engage up till now has basically just been, hey, do you remember this character or this thing? And kind of just the, uh, the single map rewarding a single emblem with a single fan favorite character. Kind of stuff that's not really too interesting to talk about. This is the one that has a standalone story, the Fell Xenolog. Uh, Obviously, kind of marketed and distributed in a manner that sounded very familiar, very similar to the Cindered Shadows DLC from Three Houses. And by that, I mean it's kind of a standalone-ish side story that you can access partway through the main game. You undertake it. You get some new characters that you can bring back with you to the main game. And that's kind of what we knew going into Fel Xenolog. So I kind of figured it's, I wasn't too hot on Fire Emblem Engage, but I sort of figured, all right, let me give let me give this DLC its first shot. Also, if I don't if I don't like it, I can be done with the game forever. Uh, so that's kind of my my hybrid motivation for for doing this. I um, actually watched a friend almost beat the whole thing of that. I was yeah. My friend was a he calls himself the real life Kong Ming. My whale Genshin friend is also <laughs> big. <laughs> big yeah. He calls himself uh, the real life Kong Ming. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. I love pay, it. Yeah, uh, yeah, pay, yeah, paying for the uh, expansion pass for Final Engage. That's nothing compared to what you got to drop in uh, in uh, Genshin. And I basically, I I streamed pretty much this whole thing in Discord while uh, with Adam. I was was watching. It took me about four to five hours. Um, so I'm not going to try to repeat what we thought of the base game for Fire Emblem Engage. Those podcasts are recorded. Though that review is up on the site. Um, but at a very high level, again, very broad brush. We thought that Fire Emblem Engage had some really smart, really fun ideas with its gameplay system. The emblem system is really neat. The the map design, the general flow of uh, of combat and of progression of the class system is all generally really, really good, solid at worst. Now, and but then the story was mid to, to I guess we've been using that word a, a bit this today. Uh, the, st the story is kind of uh, maybe didn't reach the heights of Three Houses 
at least in our in our opinion. Um, so I was kind of hoping that maybe that the uh, Felzinalog DLC would kind of be the same way. Um, I don't think I can discuss my thoughts on the Felzinalog DLC without spoiling it. So I'm just going to say, uh, are you guys okay if I spoil the story of this DLC? Yeah, go for it. I All right, mean, I, don't, I don't like it. I think engage for story, you know, like yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think about engage. Like, ah, oh, I hope I, no one spoils the story of engage. Yeah, I'm just being careful because you know yeah, certain yeah. people are really passionate about it. So go See ahead. And if, warning. Yeah, if you're if you're listening to this and you're super eager about the story, the story of Xenolog DLC, just skip to the next timestamp. All right, so in this DLC. And some of this is in the marketing. Uh, Alir is transported to like an alternate version of Elos or Elos, whatever it's called, uh, where the divine dragon had perished and the world had basically fallen into disarray. And uh, all the, I mean, it's it's kind of because <laughs> it's 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 from one version of the world to another version of the same world, um, where basically this. It's it's more almost like Chrono Cross, to be honest. Oh, okay. uh, where where Alir existed in this other world, their counterpart, and it's the opposite gender or whatever you picked for your main protagonist. Uh, but they uh, they're no they are basically been defeated. They they ruled for a short time and are no longer around. And you get summoned basically, and this world's gone to shit. And you got to basically save those that the the alternate version of you cared about. Um, and it's kind of like uh, all the characters are familiar, but they have like opposite personalities like Brodia, which is like the kingdom of Diamat and uh, whatever that archer named Alchris. Instead of being like the militant nation, they're like really passive. Um, Firene is instead of being like very regal and noble, they're kind of brash and they're they're like instigators, things like that. So it's kind of like alternate reality. Um, and you, you're introduced to these two dragon characters named Nell and Nil. They're twins, so they give they give a lot of the uh, what are the twin dragons named in Fire Emblem for GBA? Nils and Ninian. Nils and Ninian. Nil and yeah. Ninian. So it's very similar to that, where one of them, Nell, is very like capable, very headstrong, very, uh, very just capable in general, and then Nil is very like meek and timid. But they basically want you your help to help you know right the wrongs of this place, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's six chapters long. And I'm going to talk about story, and then I'm going to talk about gameplay. And this is just a DLC, so I won't go too in, de- too in detail. Very brief. The story is basically you go through like a world tour again through the different worlds, and you 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 encounter all the different counterparts of the nobles, so Alfred and Celine and uh, Tamara and all the rest, and they all have slightly different personalities. And you end up having to kind of defeat them, and you you eventually learn that they're basically corrupted, that they don't actually have their own mental faculties anymore. Uh, but what you end up learning is that what one thing that this story does that I was endlessly frustrated by is that this this DLC is about four hours long, five hours long, and with every like twenty or thirty minutes, it tries to do like a fake out, like a like try to keep you on your toes, like suspenseful, like plot twist in a way where nothing feels meaningful or earned. So you meet these twin dragons and then the game insinuates that one of them is evil because they kill people. But then they trick trick. Haha, fake out. The other one was actually evil that you didn't expect that. <laughs> and it's like, oh, 
okay. And then, uh, and I'm skipping some steps here, but then when the other one's evil, you learn, well, actually, that's not the person you thought they were. It's an imposter of that person you thought they were. They're, that's who's actually evil. And you're like, oh, okay. Uh, and then you learn, well, actually, we always knew that this person was an imposter. We just didn't confront them about this. Oh, okay, I guess. And I think then, I oh, wrote this story, but I was like in like <laughs> sixth grade, dude. Are you sure I, I did it right first? And then at the very and then at the very end, you learn though they weren't actually evil by choice. They were like reprogrammed to be evil, and that way, <laughs> and that way they can be redeemed at the end, so that you can have That's them on so... your team. And, and it's 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 not that any individual piece is bad. They're kind of bland. They're trite. They're fine. But it shoves so much of this in a four-hour so runtime that it's just like this is it's comical it, because of the pacing, right? Well, whenever people say that, like certain games are melodramatic i always wonder if people are just being over dramatic themselves but this is almost like the poster boy for it where it's like <laughs> you did you did not need to swing for the fences every 20 minutes with your plot you could have let a, a few of these plot threads build up and maybe be earned by the time they're revealed but instead they just like rapid fire through them uh but anyways i won't dwell on that because the story of engage was kind of in that same place anyways it was fine and i thought i got stronger at the end i'm on record saying that on the podcast and this this side story doesn't really add a whole lot to this to the to the whole package i think i think the bummer is like when you said like oh you do another world tour again i'm like are you fucking serious <laughs> they got all new dlc they can do whatever the fuck they want they're like you're gonna go to an alternate reality and you're gonna do the world tour again it's no like, yeah no okay, yeah you uh, <laughs> chapter chapter one in the dlc is the intro then you go to Furane, then you go to brodia then you go to oh my god uh, whatever the winter place is then you go to the desert do they look yeah. different mm, no not really <laughs> what uh so <laughs> Yeah, you kind of do the world tour, and then you fight a you fight a boss at the end, um, and that so that's enough about the story. The story is, eh. um, the gameplay. So obviously for the base game, that was kind of the linchpin. It was what was holding the game up. We thought that the gameplay was really well done, had a lot of interesting ideas. It played kind of differently some other Fire Emblem games. Uh, so unfortunately for this DLC, because it can be tackled at any point starting i think at like chapter six at the earliest i was of course playing on my end game file they do this thing where you can bring over any characters you've recruited to the dlc but they've got fixed stats fixed levels fixed items which is for some people that could be disappointing because you've worked on building up your character getting them all kitted out with your upgraded weapons or whatever but I'm like all right i can i can understand this it'll be more like a true strategy game you'll have a certain kit almost like chess and you have a certain you know a uh, certain set of abilities you can't just grind your way out of it you're given what you're given you got to make and you got to hash it out however what they do is you bring over whatever characters you have recruited and they have fixed levels and gear but they keep whatever emblem they have and whatever inherited skills that they had for instance okay. if, you, if you have an axe character let's say um uh oh, what's that axe guy's name from Furane with the orange hair? I don't remember his name. Bougeron. Yeah, so for instance, I had Bougeron. I had partnered him with whatever emblem gave him axe power five and like axe accuracy four or whatever. All, all those basically, I had all of his inserted skills set up so that they would buff the fact that he's an axe specialist and so on and so forth. So even though everything is like normalized to one extent in terms of their gear and levels, I'm still going to be picking basically my same main team that i had in the main game because i have all those skills and emblems and bond levels inherited so they kind of did this thing where they try to normalize everything but they didn't go all the way 
which felt this kind of leaves it in this weird place. So you have your your kind of semi-normalized crew with you, and then you're given obviously the main like what is the reward for this DLC? Well, similar to Cindered Shadows and Three Houses, you play through this DLC and you're going to uh, recruit new characters that you're going to bring back with you to the main game. Um, so that's kind of like the gameplay reward. So you, you if, play if with you access this on the on like the earliest possible uh, place you can on like a fresh save. Uh save file does like your your kind of quote-unquote fresh characters still have fixed stat levels and stats just without the inherited skills my my understanding is that they do and i've read a few impressions apparently doing this at the earliest possible time is actually kind of wonky with the balance because you can clear it especially if you're on like normal difficulty but then when you recruit the characters they come around level 20 so then they'll be out leveling your your primary team and all the divine like if you play the other dlcs the divine paralogs they'll be scaled all weird because you'll have these high level units in your team but only the ones from the dlc and everyone else will be behind so apparently there's some weird oddities with level scaling and how you're uh. rewarded uh for me, I didn't run into, didn't really run into that because I'm doing that on an end game file. But yeah. the fact that you can do this or as early as chapter three is just strange. Uh, and well, maybe it's strange is judgmental, but the, it's hard to balance how it's what you're rewarded and how they're scaled relative to. Your it's it's more like they didn't like like it's like a kind of way that they didn't consider that like you know possibility almost like it's like right. a, it almost feels like an oversight you'd say. Mm -hmm. well yeah not yeah an oversight or maybe just like an undersight like hey if you do this as early as possible we're going to give you the units that you get from this dlc at level 20 or so it's like oh that's good they're higher level they're you know powerful units and they're kind of unique classes that could be good but then if you go into the divine paralogs and all your units are behind those divine paralogs the dlc maps are going to be scaled to your highest level unit and you'll have a hard time etc cetera, etc cetera. so i'm sure people are still trying to like like the fan base is trying to smith like when is the optimal time yeah to do this? i imagine that's because they're gonna they're, they're gonna figure out the the highest efficiency of balancing getting the the extra units versus making sure that it doesn't mess up the balance and things like that one thing that is a bit strange for this compared to cindered shadows in cindered shadows once you cleared it once you kind of had credit for it every time forward if you played that game multiple times you would still have access to those dlc characters however my understanding is after reading some impressions of uh this one the tell xenolog you have to do it on every single playthrough in order to get those characters which i don't know if that's a big deal it seems like certain people that have played this game several times feel that it's uh very much a chore so i can kind of see it it works differently from cinder shadows and it doesn't seemingly have any good reason to so there's that if you're if you're the sort of person that's played engaged several times and you want to use these new five characters on your playthroughs then you got to do the dlc every time as for the gameplay balance of the DLC, uh, you, you choose the DLC difficulty, normal, hard, or maddening, independent of your main game, and it's default set to casual mode in terms of enemies or units that you lose will respawn at the end of the level. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I kind of played on normal. I played the base game on hard, but I played this on normal just because I honestly just kind of wanted to breeze through it. And the, very, the first four chapters of this DLC were a breeze. I like I probably cleared them in like an hour and a half. Very easy. Chapter five and six are designed in a way that is very strange and in many ways frustrating. And I kind of enjoy Fire Emblem levels that kind of shift what the expectation is, what the map goal is, how the mechanics work. 
But this almost did it to an extent where I don't know where the line is, but they crossed the line from being different to being frustrating. So in, in chapter five of the DLC, your main protagonist, Alir, is completely uh, knocked out of the picture. Like they're they're basically a sitting duck on the map. They can't act. They can't defend. You have to just keep them healed and topped off. And one of your units is separated from the rest and they get immediately swarmed and, or, and you have to like race to them to heal them. And you might say like, well, that just sounds like a different sort of challenge. On paper, that sounds fine. But the balance of it on normal mode, it was like a huge difficulty spike, which was it took me a bit to like acclimate to that. And I had to like really micromanage to an extent that I wasn't really expecting on normal mode. Like, OK, this is kind of different. Like the difficulty curve here is not very smooth. It's like climbing up a cliff. What I had to do is one of the characters, one of the dragons you you meet, Nell, is separated from the rest of your group and is completely swarmed. And what I had to do was give them the Celica emblem so they, that they could do the warp Ragnarok and get out of there so they could warp away <laughs> from from the uh, from the danger. And then when you do that, you've got the entire like crew like barreling down on your force. Like no single enemy unit is standing still. They are just swarming you. And it felt like it was appropriately balanced only under the consideration that you're playing in effectively classic, uh, sorry, casual mode. Where if a unit dies, you're okay. If you had, if I had to play this where I couldn't let a unit die, I would have to be a lot more careful, a lot more diligent. But it seems like it's almost balanced around the fact that it knows that it's on casual mode. And then on the chapter six, the final chapter of the DLC, it kind of gives you a pop up and says, "Hey, reminder: units that die will respawn at the end of this. So go all out, go all out. Don't worry about it. It's like it's it's like it's it's like the game is telling you." This is balanced. You're going to lose somebody. That's so yeah. funny. You this is balanced around losing units. And the thing is, is that if that's how you played it, if you played in casual mode, then okay, then you're status quo. If you played in classic mode, then with practice and with strategy, you could do it. It's just that the difficulty curve felt very uneven. I cleared through the first four chapters in like an hour and a half, and then it took me like another two and a half hours just to do the last two. Wow. So, and that's still breezy. That's still a five hour total runtime, which is about what I expected. Uh, but it just, it felt very uneven. Uh, All right, Chow. Uh, I have a question for Chow. Yes. What does the real life Kong Ming think? He said it was very unsatisfying playing this. Did, did, he, did, did he do this on, in the mode where like he has permadeath? Or uh, he, he, he was doing classic mode. No, you, you can't. You can't. He was like classic mode in the main game. Well, well, not... yeah, well I mean, the, this as far the as DLC I can tell, doesn't have a no, every time option. he every time. Look, if he dies, he's gonna reset he's the game. I mean, I mean, you oh, can, okay. I mean, you can, okay, like, so you can, you can force okay, yeah. self imposed classic. Okay, got mm -hmm. it. But, so, so, like, I'm saying, like, I don't know because I didn't see him boot up the title screen, so I wouldn't know that if there is classic option or not. But he constantly reset the game, and he was dead in this DLC. <laughs> okay. So, well, I, I believe this is a self imposed challenge, I guess. But he said this DLC is extremely unsatisfying to play since you don't really gain level up so what the hell is the point of you know specializing well, trying to baby this one unit <laughs> well oh yeah that's, so there's no exp so you don't have to worry about using certain units and also some considerations for the the fixed inventory the fixed gear that you get is also kind of strange because for instance this is just an example if you if you're given a unit that has a fortify staff which normally has five uses 
which normally you'd be like, all right, I got to use these only in a pinch because these are hard to acquire. Now and, you can you use know, it five times now, battle. And now it's like, all right, uh, this is just going to refresh next battle. So I got five free fortify uses. So I'm just going to spam the hell out of this. Um, and then also like some of these maps in the DLC, enemies will drop weapons or chests will drop items. But it almost feels pointless because if you in chapter two of the DLC pick up a rescue staff or whatever it is, it doesn't matter because you're going to lose it by chapter three because it resets the items. It's it just oh, seems kind of wow. In some in some ways, it just it just seems. I don't know if it's good or bad. It's just strange. It's like all right, now I got these like use as many fortifies as you want. Don't bother looking. Kind of just like, it, it, it almost feels like it's just like kind of it gives you the feeling of like oh just use whatever you find out on the battlefield you're just like scraping by or something you know yeah and i will say that in the final chapter of this game the final chapter of the dlc has a very interesting mechanic that is frustrating but once you learn it it's not so bad um but it has a lot of enemy units that will drop like the s tier weapons and it reminded me uh the first Fire Emblem my game game I played was the first English officially localized one, Fire Emblem for the GBA, Blazing Sword or Blazing Blade, whatever it's called now. And in the final chapter of that game, you fight like eight bosses and each of them drop the like the S level weapons. And you got to like hand it over to the character that can actually use it to help fight the dragon at the end. And I kind of got the same feeling here where you fight, you basically, you basically fight corrupted versions of the Lords and you fight like corrupted Tamara and she drops like the S level lance, I believe, and you give that to your lance user, and haha, now I can finally use this on the boss in this level only because it doesn't matter after that. So it kind of felt a little bit of vibes like that, but only only on the fringe. Otherwise, it felt very strange. Like I'm not even gonna bother looking for the chest. Oh no, a thief stole this item from this chest. I'm not gonna bother racing to them because it doesn't matter. Right. So and and. Oh, like I'm gonna I'm gonna use my fortify staff to heal up all my units, even though only two people are weak, because it doesn't matter at this point. So that that's kind of that kind of summarizes my thoughts on the DLC. It's not the story. I I, I always kind of hesitate. I don't want to just say it's bad because that just sounds very dogmatic. But the story was underwhelming and very cliche driven, and the gameplay was just odd and not satisfying. It's kind of a good way to phrase it, like like Chow said. Um, I, I'm kind of glad that just to have it done, just be like, all right, I experienced it. I never have to touch it again. And when when that's your motivation for feeling like, oh, I finished this game. Thank goodness I don't have to touch it again. <laughs> you kind of know that you didn't. Yeah, don't wait around your hands. Yeah, you, 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 yeah you, weren't, you weren't too highly on it. So uh, my personal final thoughts on Engage is that I thought I really do like the emblem system. It has a lot of, um, it has a lot of, basically min-max opportunities for build craft for pairing a very specific character with a very specific class with a very specific emblem with a very specific set of skills there's a lot you can kind of break open there and it's really fun the story is very forgettable and throwaway especially in the dlc in my opinion um worth playing but not worth revisiting i'll kind of put it that way uh and that's my thoughts on the dlc so hope i didn't go too long on that because it's it is a very brief experience but there you go. Not as good as Cinder Shadows. Not as not yeah. as it, it doesn't add as much to the game as Cinder one Shadows final question. The the reward you get out of all this are the are are the what the one or two characters? What was uh, it? You get five characters. Oh, so okay. you, five characters. You, you you get the two twin dragons plus basically the good versions of the four fiends. So Marnie, Zestia, and Grim, or whatever their names are, Greece. 
they have different mess with them did you mess with them at all i i i in the dlc i did because you're because you have to but i i after i beat the dlc i really had no motivation to like all right time to do a skirmish oh, okay so admittedly i didn't but they have unique classes um and I can sort of see some cases where they might be good. For instance, so they they have like different names. So Marnie is now like Madeline and Grim or Grease or whatever his name was is now Gregory. That's a good name for Gregory. Oh, okay. I don't know. But, <laughs> like, instance, yeah, Gregory has like a, a, a talent or skill where if he is outnumbered by units, he gets a boost to his evasion. Which I think okay. is kind of, which I think is kind of neat. Is oh, is it evasion or is I think it's evasion. So that like I haven't messed with it, but that might be kind of useful for making him like a mage evasion tank. Like, so I'm sure people who are really into like min maxing and class uh, specialization might be able to find a, a fun little niche for them. You also get access to two classes: the enchanter and the oh, is it mage cannoneer? I believe is what it is. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and the, the the enchanter like uses items to buff themselves. Like it's something along the lines of like if you consume a silver sword, it'll buff all its sword units on the map, both enemies uh, and allies. Did you just did you just say consume a silver? Like I just imagine like a leer like like using a silver sword to like just go up and down. Like, all right, uh, I'm ready to go. Well, uh, I mean, I'm I mean the average the average sword would be a good source of iron. So I mean, I I understand. All right, I, I, I don't I don't. I'll be honest, I didn't mess with it. But they're they're an item based support unit, which I think is a a fun concept. Even though I didn't go firsthand on it, and then the mage cannoneer is like an item based long range unit that uses like dexterity as their damage modifier, which is kind of fun. So that might be good on like. A class that would normally be like a, a sword master or like a or like a uh a sniper maybe would be good as this like mage cannoneer. But they but they're the you get a free emblem seal. You have to have a specialized seal to use these classes. After beating the DLC, you get a free one, one of each. And to buy more is like ludicrously expensive. It's like sixty-three thousand gold, which is quite a lot in this game to get a second <laughs> seal. Yeah, so basically, you, you you kind you kind of get once you beat this DLC, you get one free enchanter and one free mage cannoneer, which they kind of seem like sort of gimmicky, strange classes. But maybe I'm sure once uh, people get up for some fucked up shit for them, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah someone someone's gonna be like, hey, if you if you turn this unit and this emblem into a mage cannoneer. They're going to be a god and nothing. And I'm sure people are already like distilling that down. Uh, but that's what you get. You get the five units and then you get uh, those two classes. And then you get you get a few like other skill books and consumable items and things like that. So there you go. Uh, all right. So now uh, so now we uh, we, we, we restart the, the counter, the, the timer, the countdown for the for sure inevitable remake of genealogy of the, of the holy war that's the, that's the that's the dream yeah the real greatest fire emblem game ever your favorite game ever right or one of them it still is <laughs> i hide this game in very high regards i will not let anyone talk trash about this game but you better hope that they better nail the remake of it real the remake just needs to let you trade and then it'll be I, I think if they let you trade it'll make the game too easy but at the same time it's also <laughs> it, it is a thing that turns off a lot of people from this game and that covers us for uh game coverage so april is going to kind of feel a little bit different like that i think because it's going to be a little bit of uh, people going to our backlog though there are a few games that we've talked about uh 
Um, we have Trinity Trigger coming up. We have uh, Stranger Paradise coming to Steam. So I'm poking at that. I already mentioned the PC 1.0 release of War Tales looks kind of interesting and it's coming out in later in April. So April might be kind of a, a different kind of vibe of month compared to January, February and March in terms of games we've been, uh, we'll be talking about. So into news, of course, we have two weeks of news to catch up on, though uh, we won't be covering absolutely every headline here. I tried to gather many of the most major ones and put them on this list, as well as any of the relevant dates, delays, announcements, and things like that. So this will be a little bit curated, a little bit uh, a little bit shorter, but just, just to try to make sure that we hit all the major highlights here. The, the first two headlines that I put here, uh, over the last two weeks, we had two major like gameplay showcases for games that are slated to come out this summer those two games are final fantasy 16 of course and then legend of zelda tears of the kingdom obviously these games don't really need any introduction they're some of the biggest games of the years regardless of genre coming out this summer and both of these games had new gameplay look-ins uh for final fantasy 16 we got the World of Valistia trailer, as well as a lot of gameplay footage coming out of their PAX East panel uh, late in March. And then for Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, we had the 10-minute gameplay uh, footage preview with uh, the producer on Anuma for that game as well. So we'll, we'll start with Final Fantasy 16 here. Uh, and I'll start with the, the trailer here. And this trailer is very, very low key. It is basically a environmental showcase is kind of how I would describe it. It shows a lot of gameplay footage of the, just the gameplay traversal, I guess, of the, of the protagonist throughout many different biomes, different cities, different environments. Uh, and then this is paired with several like uh almost an hour of footage of very similar stuff from the from the pax demo as well so to me i just think it's really nice to see some i think i actually mentioned i might be on the podcast sta stating this that a lot of our footage of final fantasy 16 before this point has either been cg cinematic icon battles or just hey did you know we have a DMC, uh, a Devil May Cry mm -hmm. a veteran on our combat system? Because we're going to show off that. And they didn't show just any non-combat gameplay of any sort. And they finally shown it here, which is just on its face, a little bit slower paced, a little bit more like less, I don't know, exciting. But I just really appreciate it. Like this is this it finally feels like a game that you can actually pick up a controller and play. Uh, just moving, moving the character through environments, uh, talking to NPCs, petting the dog, all those things. So I, I, I kind of appreciated this just on kind of that uh, on that principle at the very least for the new footage. Yeah, I, I really like the the environmental variety going on with this uh, world of Valistia uh, mm -hmm. trailer, especially like kind of sort of like the more stormy environments, like and just like different kinds of like weather that you don't really see in uh, other games. Uh, some more of, of those environments. I just really. I really like that. Like it, it, hopefully, like you know, the the soundtrack really nails it. It's kind of like uh, hopefully, it sounds like uh, there's like a relaxing like overworld theme as you're like traveling in these these environments for transitions to like more battle uh, themes. It's it, uh, it, like you said, it it feels that it it starts to, it's starting to look like a video game that you can control and like you know like like you said, you only got very brief glimpses of this game like in motion as like uh, you know. Yes, that you're you're showcasing battles, but like you said, I a lot of like Final Fantasy's charms. Like, what are what are the what are like the the more quiet moments in between those battles, in between what's going on? Like, 
you know, like Final Fantasy is like some of these like games like you it's like a world that you want to live in. You think about like running around like Final Fantasy Ten, you know, for mm-hmm. example, some of those environments. I just like that, like you know, they're sticking with this June twenty second uh, release mm-hmm. date. It's not like some weird Final Fantasy fifteen. Hey, let's have a release date event and then delay that. It mm-hmm. feels like you know that the that like they're really they're really bolting this down. The game has gone gold. And hopefully, like you know, this is going to be like just a a smooth launch. You know, hopefully, there's mm-hmm. like a, a complete game. It's not something that like kind of had needs to be like fixed over time, like FF fifteen was to some extent. Um, and that this is just going to be a smooth launch, like, uh, like something that's like it, it won't feel like broken or incomplete. I did uh, see, I did see people, I forget where the footage came from, if it was from the PAX panel or somewhere else. Um, but there, there was footage of Clive sidling through like a, a narrow corridor, like the usual, like I'm loading a zone thing. <laughs> and I'm like, I thought, I thought that what happened to the power of the PS5? I thought, yeah, what happened? Yeah, you said there should be no loading times. What happened? You know, this is definitely uh, way off topic, but uh, there were a few, a uh, few, uh, number of those in the Jedi Survivor demo too. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, uh, yeah, Fallen Order definitely had those. So yeah, that's uh, interesting that they kept those in Survivor. This <laughs> shit still got a load, yo. Uh-oh. Well, what yeah. happened? The power of the, what was it? The, the and, and EME drives. <laughs> Loading yeah. five gigs a second and you can't process all this? Well, what, not now when when, the, when texture resolution is like insane now, they're like, oh, we, we'll just, we'll just bump that up and it'll still take equally long to load i don't know so yeah i mean yeah ff16 looking like a video game it's gonna be out just in what two well, a little over two months it's almost there yeah damn <laughs> i still i still think of june as like oh that's four months away right no it's it's two months away <laughs> yeah it's already just at the end of the season and, we're in the and season what, and what that means is that literally so the other game that i introduced here for like the new footage is zelda tears of the kingdom May twelfth, before this podcast, I'm like, oh yeah, that that's like two months away. No, that's one month and four days away at the time of recording. One month until Zelda. Uh, so okay, we had a we had a kind of it wasn't branded as a Nintendo Direct. It was branded as a like a, a gameplay look in with with Anuma. I hope I'm pronouncing the name right. Anuma. Yeah, Anuma. Uh, yeah. Okay, uh, obviously the long time uh, Zelda um, um, Zelda boss over at Nintendo, and this was basically a a gameplay snippet for Tears of the Kingdom, and they touched on a few different, very specific things here, and the the main highlight out of this was I would I would claim was this new fuse mechanic. So obviously one of the major bugbears or contentious aspects of Breath of the Wild was the weapon degradation system, breaking weapons, things like that. Is it a good idea? Is it a good gameplay loop or is it just terrible idea all around? Well, it seems like this is kind of their answer to that system. And they had some very silly examples here. The idea is, is that you can basically allow two very disparate objects to be fused together to basically create something new and the examples here was like attaching a boulder to a tree branch to turn it into like this giant makeshift mace or making like a a really really long trident by attaching a pick a pitchfork to a stick uh, making homing arrows uh they also talked about the like uh the ultra hand system where you can Hold like we got to the ultra hand we have to discuss oh. that you make those freaking homing arrows by mm-hmm. attaching an arrow to a monster's eyeball <laughs> yeah 
that's fucking crazy. Like, I, I think the fuse system is like really, really cool, and like it, it is such a simple and elegant solution to like something that like bugged a lot of people. I, I really, I, I really want to see like what are the what are the, like the limits of this system, right? Like, because you think about like Breath of the Wild had like a, a pretty nice variety of like weapons that you can use, but like now you're taking like environmental objects and you have to account for like how many possible combinations are at stake, like are going to be in this game and how and like all the ways you can use them, how they interact with the environment. Like, it's crazy, honestly. How's it going to impact puzzles? And like one of the few like complaints that I kind of agree with that I've seen about Breath of the Wild is that past a certain point, the rewards you get become too rote because mm-hmm. you've, you're going to see all these different types of weapons so many times because they're constantly giving you them because you're going right. to run out of them because of weapon durability. But now they can give you materials that you can slot under existing weapons as like rewards for exploration as well. And that'll go a long way, I feel like, to making the gameplay loop feel fresh for longer so. yeah yeah and it's gonna be all, all like there, there'll be like so many ways that you could even think about it like how you utilize these weapons like you'll you'll find a weapon and you're like okay this is like the use of the weapon but like somewhere someone somewhere out there's gonna be like no this is how i use this weapon it's gonna be totally, totally fucked up it's gonna be like what are what are we doing here like it's a i really like when they showed showed this fuse and stuff like oh they're smart. They're fucking smart. God damn it. <laughs> go, go on, Brian. Sorry. Well, the, the fuse system was what everyone was talking about afterwards because it was like the the seemingly the major addressee for the feedback from Breath of the Wild. That, like, the fuse system is cool, but that, that wasn't even the highlight for me for this one. Uh, uh, some of the other things I know that they showed were like the uh, the ability to rewind time on a certain object. So if an object had fallen from the sky, you can stand on it and rewind time to elevate yourself. There was an ascend ability where Link can like traverse from underneath. I, I wasn't quite sure I understood how this worked, but he like travels just from underneath a, a platform, almost like Super Smash Brothers style, to to traverse and get on top of it by, by tunneling through it. Uh, ascend, yeah, the ascend ability was the one that really. Uh, oh, really? That was the one. Made, you made, made, yeah, there's the one. There's the thing that that is making this game click for me because. If it is as versatile as that, what they're um, advertising, Jeez. you basically have, you, be, you basically have like a, a no clip in this game. That's like mm-hmm. a legalized no clip <laughs> in this game. It's it, it looks really cool. I wonder, like, and, and it makes you wonder, like, what sort of like level design is like, uh, like, what's this level design philosophy in this game to like to be to be able to be confident that you can use this in like in a responsible manner because. Like an ability like this could easily like kind of like break the game in fucked up ways. So I'm really wondering like, what is what is it this game that allows you to, that allows you to confidently do this implement this type of ability in the in the game? Because that uh, the ascend ability seems so powerful. So much of this game is just like. I keep seeing people say, oh, it's just like an expansion pack for Breath of the Wild. And it's like, no, fucking <laughs> so many of these things are just fundamentally, how the hell did they get it working on the Switch? Like the yeah. rewind thing, like to like something falls from the sky, you hop on and you rewind all the way up seamlessly. How the, that would be impressive if they did it on like the PS4 or the Xbox One, let alone the Switch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, like, I, I really like that they, they really leaned on to like the, like the, the, the legacy that Breath of the Wild had, like, uh, like in the coming years, like in terms of like experimentation from the community and what they found, like 
and how like the physics engine worked in that game, how different like uh, like properties worked with each other and like in each of the different items. Like they really started leading to that experimentation philosophy and like built the sequel around that in, in, in more intuitive ways, but in ways that like don't really like it streams like it streamlines its experience to like more casual players. But it, but it also it also seemingly like you know is really blasting the door wide open for like to cater to that community as well. Man, I wonder how the speedrunning is gonna play this. Yeah, game. dude, it's gonna be fucking insane for this game. Like, I can't even imagine. Uh, oh yeah, go describe uh, Ultra Hand, uh, Brian. What's the Ultra Hand in this game? Uh, I actually like. Don't I'm not sure I quite understood it. I saw them putting like the hover vehicle together with the ultra hand because it allows you to like attach objects to each other to create vehicles. And yeah, they, so they... You're, you're, you know what the ultra hand looks like? You remember like the sticky fingers, like and there's a little kid, like the oil sticky fingers that like you, mm-hmm. you could like attach onto things, then like they like peeled off and like and people are like, the, and then your parents are like, don't put that on the wall, you're gonna stain the wall. Mm-hmm. You remember those things? Yeah, so that's what it looks like. And it, you, this utility is like. As you're saying, it's like it's basically used to like get environmental objects and stick them together, and like I've, it's like your building tool. In, I've seen game. people compare it to of all games, Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. Yep. Uh huh. <laughs> so a long redemption arc. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I to me that game is still like recent, but that's like what, 2008, so like 15 years old at this point. Yeah, very recent. <laughs> <laughs> recent. Uh, you you lose track of time on the wrong side of 30. I'll tell you that. Uh, but uh-huh, no, yeah. they show like they show like uh, creating like a raft and a sail and uh, with hover hover capabilities and things like that. So, uh, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, this is going to be just to be a, a full blown like you know, hey, if you, if you have an idea to like build a vehicle, definitely go try it because they're, they're giving you you know tools to like kind of maybe realize it and you, you'll like all, all the vehicles that they've shown in prior marketing the to uh, materials they were like. They were like, ah, like you know, that that that's not something you find in the in the world. That's all something that you build from scratch, you know. And I don't know I don't, if they're gonna provide. I don't know if they're gonna provide you blueprints to like maybe in the long run to like kind of guide players to like make them. But they they were just upfront saying like, yeah, but you know, you can just make them on your own too. I don't have like the game design, game development vocabulary to discuss this like at a high level. But one thing that I just really appreciate about Breath of the Wild is that everything in that game was like rules based like these yeah. objects conduct electricity these objects get wet these objects catch fire these objects can catch wind and then it just gives you like a set of mechanics with the different Sheikah slate abilities to manipulate those to whatever extent the engine allowed which is why to this day you get insane combo videos or weird contraptions or things that people do to skip the, the shrines or things like that and see and it, it's like without seeing this trailer and this footage it's like, well, how can they go on from there? They've already set the they've already set the rules. Like, nope, we're just going to give you a whole bunch of new things that still kind of have like that same philosophy where it's like, yeah, the, these are the general rules for how objects stick together, how objects float. Uh, we're going to have these new new abilities like how to rewind time or how to ascend through walls and things like that. So basically, like, we're if everything is going to go right, we're going to have another five years of people manipulating these to insane extents that we can't even predict or, or fathom yeah. right now. I, I, I just I, mentioned I, on Twitter, I forget who it was exactly. Maybe Austin Walker. I don't know for sure. Basically describe it like they're adding new verbs, verbs to this game. That's yeah, a way to put it. Know, some people wanted a new map or whatever, or a new character. It's like, well, we're adding verbs in terms of like, what can you do? 
and that's it, it, it reminds me of I, I think I forgot which pot I must have been the Jeff, Jeff Gersman show or or maybe Next Lander. I forgot which one of those, but I really like their their comparison of like it's like it's like almost scribble knots in a sense. Uh, where mm-hmm. even Austin Walker's point, it's like instead of like giving you new words to play around with, they're giving you like new assets, just new environmental objects, new things to look at visually, and like these things convey a word, a language, and like you can manipulate those into like how you could do like in scribble knots, like how do you manipulate those in a way that like benefits you in the way that you th- you are thinking in your head. And I think that that's a really smart comparison uh, when you think about the lang- like the language of this game. It's like this game, the, this trailer is great because it's like it's mostly gameplay. It's under fifteen minutes, and it gives you a lot to think about while giving you while only showing you just just enough to make you think about how you can utilize these things. It's such a smartly, it's such a smart, succinct presentation that you can finally see this game in action, and then say, and then finally, it gives you the answer that you're looking for. It's like what makes this different from Breath of the Wild? It looks visually similar. But what makes this different? And it gives you a lot of answers right away and gives you a lot to think about. Now, I, I do I do have to ask the devil's advocate. Did anyone here want to see like more, quote unquote, new assets, new area or anything like that? I honestly look at this and I don't want to be like a mark or anything, but I look at this and I'm like, no, this this looks plenty new enough to me. But I know there was a lot of feedback to this. People like it's just an expansion or it's just DLC. I, or whatever. I, I don't, I buy don't it see after it. this. I don't buy it after this, especially like after the Sky, Sky Islands and like and how that like uh, gives you uh, like a, there's a sense of verticality in the skin that wasn't really, you know, like it's more of an emphasis now than it was in the first game. And like just having that sense of like scale, like instead of like scale horizontally more scale vertically and like and 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 the different ways you can interact with everything like they have there's only like the very first like real gameplay footage they've shown they're still they're still like very much keeping a lot of it under the hood very deliberately you know there there's definitely things they are hiding in this game i really want to find those out for myself i'd rather I, i'd rather discover that for myself rather than them showing hey this is like all the new environments you'll see it's like i'd rather see that for myself it's cool you have to keep in mind like the way that this was um marketed it's like it was called 10 minutes of gameplay or what was it called i think was that literally what it was called 10 minutes of gameplay like they weren't talking about story they weren't talking about lore they weren't talking about ganon or whatever like your speculation is zelda playable all the other speculative things or whatever that people wanted to see like nope it's gameplay and you got what we told you you were going to get and sort of thing yeah, it's a uh, really, really smart presentation. All right, wrapping up some of the quote-unquote major announcements of this week, uh, we have a few games that had some interesting updates, but here's an, uh, a game update, and an, sorry, a game announcement that I saw a bit of hype behind, but I'm not familiar with the IP. This is a, a game called Birdie Wing Golf Girls Story a game adaptation of what I believe is an anime IP has been announced for Nintendo Switch to release this summer. So I got to hand it over to our resident expert. Like I saw a fair amount of excitement around Birdie Wing, but I'm not familiar with this IP. Is this is this something that is well-regarded? Is this like a classic dormant series or or what is this? Birdie Wing is uh, an a, a anime that came out of nowhere, honestly, uh, last year that debuted last year and now is starting its like second half of the of its of the show this season. Okay, so it's um, recent. Yeah, it's very recent. Um, how do I describe this fucking 
Uh, I'll just I'll just say. Okay, I gotta ask. I gotta ask. Oh my gosh. We, we, we had this. We had this discussion earlier. This podcast. Uh, okay. It, it's a golf game, but I guess if we're covering it, it has to be somewhat RPG-ish, right? There, the, it, on the on the <laughs> Nintendo eShop page, it does say role playing on it. All right. And, then, and, and and they're the boss. We gotta go with whatever. Yeah, that, so that's a, it's like a Capcom <laughs> and Monster Hunter role. They say it's a role playing game. So. Oh yeah, and then we are, we're, obli- well. we're obligated past that point. Yeah, no, there, obviously, there's no complaints of us covering Monster Hunter's RPG <laughs> because Capcom said so. <laughs> Um, you know, but Birdie Ring is, um, it is about two girls. One of them comes from the world of underground golfing, and there's like a whole mafia backstory <laughs> behind it. The other, the other, uh, woman is, uh, comes from the more, uh, luxurious, rich life, um, wealthy uh, part of the equation where she's like part of like a, a prestigious like golf family where like they're all top golfers and she has to like represent them like in a in a good light and how they're going golf out. versus bougie golf oh uh, yes that's that's <laughs> kind of like almost like they they intersect in an interesting way uh and it does turn into a a golf girl's story uh from these roots um there's a lot that goes on uh let's say i would i will say to people the less you know the better and you should definitely go watch birdie ring if that like Okay. If, if that it interests you at all, like in the very slightest, it is an incredible show. I, I'm I, so, watch it now. I am gonna convince it, my calming friend to watch this with me. You, you guys will love it. I, I guarantee you that you will love it. And then there's on top of like all the fucking crazy like wacky golf courses that you've ever seen, like in shows, and like and like if you went to like a, a country club and all, and you went to go miniature golf, and you saw like really sh- stupid shit for miniature golf like expand that by like a hundred times and like you get like most of the, most of the girls uh most of the golf courses from this show as so well it is neo turf masters with and it is sort of so it is sort of like a modern day neo turf masters if you want to go that that route so uh um, so um so uh josh tolentino one of the newer contributors to the site was the one that wrote up the news story for this announcement and i love uh, how he described what you just detailed as the premise of this show uh, their backgrounds couldn't be more different with Ioi being the scion of a powerful golfing dynasty and Eve being a street smart golf hustler with ties to the golfing mafia. Yes. <laughs> Just the golf, that golf is 100% dynasty. accurate. I swear to God, that is 100% accurate. I Oh my God, it's fucking... Anyway, uh, this is a weird one because the, I didn't know about this until like I, I guess a few days ago now where like, I discovered, hey, they're like, there's like there's a whole birdie wing like um game initiative so this is actually being um like backed by the htc metaverse brand viverse and for this switch game developer wow wow technology they're making a switch game um and that's the game we're discussing here is the switch game that's coming out uh in june uh in english japanese and chinese yeah for 20 bucks there's also a mobile game in development and there's also a vr game in development so there's whole in like media initiative the birdie wing Wing. i have no idea why (laughs) but i mean i i saw this and i'm like you know it does say role playing in the tags um so we'll see we'll see where that goes but hopefully uh, hopefully they capture the spirit and the essence of the show uh in it i hopefully it's 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 oh my god i I don't want to spoil anything else about the show i swear to god but um 
Yeah. Go watch Birdie Wing. Uh, go watch Birdie Wing. I guess I guess this whole new story is just like a, an advertisement. Like, go watch Birdie Wing. What are you doing? Just stop, stop what you're doing. Start watching Birdie Wing. <laughs> I guess. And uh, hopefully this game isn't awful. <laughs> what can I say? But, it also give me like Neo Turf Master style maps where you're shooting golf in a floating island in the fucking middle of nowhere with like giant water pools. Okay, okay. Let, let, me, t- let me put it like this, Chow. Eve, the blonde girl, like her whole shtick in golf is like she uses bullets, colored bullets for her, like her swings. So like for like long swings to like start the match, she uses like her blue bullet. And for like trickier shots that require like a much more like to, to close the gap, she uses like the red bullet. And these, like, these are actually like depicted in the show because of um her mentor. Her mentor was voiced by Shard's VA. And Amuro and Amuro's VA is in the show too. So Shar and Amuro are represented. And there's a character in the show that is very into Gunpla as well. It it oh, is it, it is it is it is a sunrise show. So yes, you will get you there will be references to other sunrises. Like the newest episode from the second core has a fucking Escride reference in it. Oh man. I guess it, I have to watch this now. Dude, it's fucking sick. Okay. But um but like the the visual imagery she uses to like uh, like on how Shars the the mentor uh, trained her is like like he he has a fucking shotgun aimed at the fucking golf hole for it. It's like aimed there, and I'm like, oh my god, this show's amazing. This show's incredible. <laughs> so yeah, go watch. It definitely must watch that. Yeah, go watch for anyways. Another minor announcement this week. This is a game that I had kind of almost forgotten about. Uh, one of the first RPGs of 2023, One Piece Odyssey. So it's been a few months. Are we caught up on One Piece yet? No? Is Adam still our resident? Close, closest, closest thing we have to a One Piece expert? Probably. All right. Probably, so yeah. anyway, so obviously One Piece uh, Odyssey released in early January. Colin covered it for us. Uh, Bandai Namco has announced, uh, as far as I remember, the first major DLC packet for it called Reunion of Memories. We don't have a release date or window for this DLC pack, uh, but we do have a teaser trailer for it. And even I, as a One Piece neophyte, see that this is basically just some aspects of the manga that or anime that was not covered in original One Piece Odyssey. It sounds like they're having the opportunity here to cover it. Uh, mainly, the big tease at the very end of this teaser trailer for this new DLC is NL from the Skypea arc, which I only really remember from that one reaction image from the manga of his mouth wide open. Uh, <laughs> that I forget exactly what he's reacting to in that shot, but he's at the end of this trailer here. Um, and the, this, based on the message from the producer here, it seems like that this DLC is intended as kind of post game DLC intended for like around the save uh, data. Uh, the clear level By you'd the way, be what around. What he's reacting to is that he's an electricity man and Luffy's a rubber man, and that's oh, that's realizes, right, that's right. I can't do anything. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember that now. But that isn't Sky Pia like the second major arc. That's like classic One Piece. Yeah. So he's he's teased at the end of this here. So uh, turns out the One Piece video game is still uh, a game for One Piece fans. So uh, maybe we'll convince Colin to uh, to look back into this, but. Uh, no real details. Oh, is this DLC just like for people who like 
no like, one piece yeah uh, oh, okay. ba- ba- basically that's what it seems like yeah great so, so if you so if you uh, still don't know one piece you'll still be lost i've I, I still i've still gate fucked <laughs> yeah just gotta catch up you've had a few months um but... time to read a thousand chapters guys yep mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, trying to be more uh, more generous. Like it seems like it's very, very crowd pleasing. You know, it's uh, me as not a One Piece fan was still able to recognize this character that was teased at the end. So it's doing its job there in terms of being something that people recognize and attribute to the series. So hopefully it'll be fun. We also have an update about another thing that was mentioned in January this year was the formal announcement of Fuga Melodies of Steel two, and. That is coming out also in May, so we're about a month away from that, May 11th. Uh, in preparation for the release of Fuga Melodies of Steel 2, the original game was updated to version 1.5. And what this does is it adds a lot of quality of life features to the original game, including turbo mode, retry mode, other adjustments, as well as with along with this update, an announcement of exactly the save data bonuses that will carry over from the first game to the second. Uh, it looks like that most of these bonuses are very, very minor, which I think is actually probably a good idea that they don't feel like an obligation. Uh, if you have any save data, it looks like you get an assembly of items and some other older outfits. If you've got normal ending data, you get uh, some additional songs in a jukebox in the second game. And if, if you complete the first game and get the true ending data, then you get kind of a cool photo of some sort inside the tank of the second game. So cosmetic transfer bonus only, but that's kind of nice for those that did play through and get the true ending of the first game. Uh, I didn't dive any more deeply into this 1.5 update for Fuga Melodies of Steel 1. I don't know if Adam or James, I think you were the two that got put the most time into the first game, if any of these specific quality of life features are more significant than others, or if this is kind of- Probably the most significant just to speed up everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to um, head back into it and check, but I, I it, everything that they've changed sounds good. So, mm-hmm. uh, also just worth noting that the the series director Yuan, oh man, I'm gonna mess this up. Uh, Gary Toto, I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, he yeah he left Cyber. Yeah, he left he left some Cyber Connect too. Um, just a end of March. He's at a. Platinum games. Platinum games. Platinum uh, games. Uh, yeah. uh, um, too. And he, yeah, I, he reached out to me a few weeks before all this to let me know ahead of time. And he says that at least that he's not rolling out working on RPGs in the future. So who knows? Yeah. Platinum's got something cooking. Yeah. There's some interesting notes, you know, like from his, uh, you know, uh, when he, lo- he lo- had a farewell message. Uh, you know, just reconfirming, yes, there'll be a Fuga 3. He said, I'll be waiting for Fuga 3 with excitement as the series' biggest fan. We knew it was going to be a trilogy, but just, you know, just letting us know, hey, there is a Fuga 3 in the works. And two, he was a game designer for Final Fantasy VII Remake, the CyberConnect 2 version of FS7 Remake, the one that no one ever, ever got to see. So wow. he had eyes on on it. He knew what it was. he was working on that. He was also a game designer on uh, DBZ Kakarot as well. Um, you know, CyberConnect too. Uh, has the development studio on that with Bandai Namco as their publisher. Um, so yeah, this guy has the knows the secrets behind what would have to FF Seven remake on CyberConnect. Hmm. He saw it. I still want to know what that what that looked like so bad. I really want to see. I really want to see CyberConnect Two's FF Seven remake. 
So who's going to play Fuga 2 over Zelda Tears of the Kingdom? James. Uh, well, hopefully we'll get code early. So I can uh, James just, is yeah. hoping to get it done before Zelda. Yeah. That's yeah. The... Well, if, you're asking, if you're asking like, the general public, then... And if, yeah. uh, and if Cyber Connect 2 is listening, you, you'll hope that I get, a, I get to be able to play through it before Zelda 2. <laughs> wow, yeah, play, playing man. hardball. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> That's oh, a threat. But... Holy shit. But no, it's, it seems like based on uh, having not played Fugo 1, but it seems like all the word of mouth of it is good. Hopefully they got the long, kind of long tail uh, that they kind of needed on that game because they were, you know, they immediately announced that it was going to be a trilogy despite some some murmurs that the first game didn't do well so hopefully the second game holds holds that momentum and kind of uh performs up to their expectations well one of the things that juan said before uh leaving well around well a couple of months ago he mentioned well not a couple of months ago like half a year ago he mentioned that as soon as the game pass deal became public for uh fuga one and two uh he outright said that with that deal fuga as a series has become profitable Oh, that's nice. I didn't know that. So, yeah. Or now my brain's like, I think you might have mentioned it on the podcast, but I just flushed it. I'm, I, I think I did. Yeah. All right. It's coming back to me. Now I've been reminded. But that's, no, that's great news. All right. Looking at the rest of this podcast doc, pretty much everything else here, it's about maybe 13 or 14 more headlines, all relate to uh, updated release dates, delays, or uh, like the thing we alluded to at the very start. Um, Cancellations funerals. or shutdown notices. Yeah, funerals. Uh, anyways, wow. so I have these mostly in chronological order, but the one I'm going to put up first is one that has been rumored for a long time. Finally, uh, officially penned to paper this last couple of weeks, and that is the Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster, Final Fantasies 1 through 6, is finally launching for PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch on April 19th. So in just, uh, in just over a week, in a week and a half. And in addition to launching for those consoles, as as quote unquote RPG site had learned early, quote unquote, oh, the point flip. Yes, <laughs> the the font, the default font in English for these Pixel Master series has indeed been updated. Uh, there's also a soundtrack toggle and a random encounter toggle and a, an experience boost toggle. Which these, if you've any of the Final Fantasy re-releases for the last like ten years now, since ever since Final Fantasy X on the Vita, had like some built-in cheats, quality of life boosters, whatever you want to call them. Uh, and the thing it sounds about like, these pixel remasters. That's actually like kind of I don't know, weird's the right word, but these pixel remasters already had like boosted EXP, just kind of like naturally. They were a lot easier than other versions of the game, even like yeah. the GBA versions. And now it's like you can get even four times that. Can you okay. disable EXP gain? Because I would love to have that in Final Fantasy VI. Disable I don't know if you can it? disable. I don't know if you can disable EXP gain. I didn't actually. Well, you you can apparently disable random encounters, so you don't get any EXP. Oh. Oh yeah, that's true. This gives me a reason to play Final Fantasy VI because <laughs> how I play Final Fantasy VI is I play this game with no level ups, run away. From every single battle, Dude, I, I, I love doing that in F, uh, FF8, the level one. Yeah, that's how you're uh, supposed to play Final Fantasy VIII. So, so I'm, 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 level one, level one, the FF8 is fucking awesome. You mean level so, six? So I'm rereading the uh, I'm reading the uh, press release that uh, that accompanied this announcement for the console ports. Uh, change soundtracks. Basically, you can switch between the original and rearranged soundtracks. Change font. You can pick the default font from before or a new pixel based font. Turn off random encounters. Sometimes you just want to explore in peace. So blah blah blah. I can turn it off. Adjust experience. 
And basically it says, want to speed things up? You can ex adjust the experience gains by up to four times. Perfect if you want an easier run through the game. Nothing mentioned about turning it down. There's no, what about the, what about the weirdos that want less experience or no experience? Yeah, adjust experience in FF8. You definitely want to level up very early in that game. Get the max level for sure. <laughs> yeah. Like if you want to min-max in Final Fantasy VI, what you want to do is not get any level ups until you get right. all the... Um, because it works, because it works, because it works similar-ish to uh, eight, where the summons will have you or have stat boosts if you level up when when equipping them. Yeah, right. So, so that's you want to get the stat boost first before you do the level ups. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised we haven't mentioned the m like the biggest upgrade with this uh, release. What's that? Or fix, I should say. They fixed the opening credits for Final Fantasy. VI. Oh no, yes. good call. The credits yeah. are there. <laughs> A bowling works, guys. Bowling works. <laughs> I remember yeah. when that when that when that first released because that was last year February so like 13, 14 months ago when six remaster released like playing six for the first time like is something supposed to be happening with the uh, mad text running across the field it's like oh yeah there's supposed to be actually credits here the, the, the PC slash mobile ports or I don't know, not the original versions of these pixel remasters were kind of odd in that they came in kind of hot and like there was a lot of weird glitches and things that they either fixed before launch or after launch. I think every single one of these games got patched. There was a lot of weird things. Yeah. Like for example, uh, there was two, two that come to mind that they literally tweeted out. One was like in Final Fantasy IV when Cecil's fighting his like dark self, like the, his, darkness ability was like going in the wrong direction it's like <laughs> right. why is that happening and so then like sad. they showed uh uh sabin suplexing the train but the train sprite didn't flip properly oh yeah it's almost <laughs> tragic it's like why? Tragic. It's a, there's a lot of weird things like that it's like how did this ever get broken it's funny like, because like, you're very you're, i remember you, uh, that one because they like promoted it in the tweet everyone's like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> Yep. <laughs> that was great oh man um yeah i how do you guys feel about like the new pixel based font that they use i, I to me i still like it's better definitely way better, better than like the narrow yeah. but it's still too thin that like uh, I, 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 think I, I i love how like it's yet another case where technically the japanese font is better because people have looked at the like comparisons and it's like the new pixel font is usable perfectly acceptable now but you look at like the same like you see the system level english text with the japanese pixel font and it's better and it's like come on not again it's like uh, it just refuses to look at the solution the solution's there it's just use the og japanese font it's like it's like it's i thought like it's kind of weird because like the new pixel based font that on a switch handheld screen i feel like you still have to squint uh, quite a bit for some of these menus like, I don't know, for me I, I think the ideal font is to use the final fantasy 6 when it's localized as final fantasy 3 that font i think well, i, I mean i'm talking font. about like the one that like console players have to like deal with right they i don't know have a way to like mod these i know but i'm saying if that if, for me personally if they yeah, were yeah. able to put that font in that would be the ideal font for me at least but, I mean, I, I, at the very least you know that what they have is like usable now presumably We'll see how it's actually integrated into like the final release, but we've we've, we've up we've better. upgraded from bad to mid. Very yeah, from bad to like it's usable. <laughs> when will we have the excellent score ever? Oh, uh, maybe in the the Xbox release. What are, do you think it's gonna? These are gonna come to Game Pass eventually. 
they'll just show up someday. Yeah. I I don't I don't like I don't think Square Enix is returning any of uh, Microsoft's calls these days. Yeah, basically anything announced in the last like this year, Square Enix related at all, is skipping Xbox so far. So I think oh. didn't Alex pen a, a an op ed on VG two four seven about that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, obviously last year was spotty in terms of what got on Xbox, but this year it's been dry, nothing in terms of Square Enix properties. What was the last, what was the last just, Square Enix release? Like, was it Stranger of Paradise? Or, Christ, oh, okay, or, that's right. Star Ocean, Dio Field. But oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, so yes. I still don't understand how Octopath 2 skipped Xbox when the engine itself already works on Xbox because Octopath 1 was ported to Xbox. I, I, like, th- I feel like that's a delayed Game Pass release. That's why that's not, that's the. I, I feel like they'll just show up on Game Pass one day, but they didn't want to like give a brand new release, like kind of like a quote unquote free release through Game Pass. I'm not too sure about that because I remember it used to be that like after a certain amount of time, Switch exclusives would end up on like Xbox or at least on Game Pass. Because I know that like Bravely Default 2, I believe, was on Game Pass for a bit. But, 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 but was it day and date with its like launch date? No, no, no. Like when when the exclusivity agreement. Um, yeah, so I, so I feel I, I feel, feel like, like I feel like Octop- Octopath Two will come to Game Pass one day, but not like right now because it's too yeah. it's too. Meanwhile, uh, like we have. Launch. Meanwhile, we have uh, Live Alive uh, announced for PC and PlayStation, but not Xbox. Oh, like, you're giving up the game too fast. Too... Well, I mean, I know. I'm just kidding. We're gonna do it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're right. You're right. Yes. But yeah. That's so those. Segue. Ryan. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So we'll we'll skip ahead. So yeah. Just staying on the Square Enix front. We'll we'll t- we'll talk about the next two here. Yeah. Live Live obviously released last year uh, exclusively for Nintendo Switch. Um, we thought very highly of it. Ended up in our top ten games of the year. We treated it as a new release for all intents and purposes as a remaster in English for the first time. Sorry, a remake in English for the first time. Uh, Live Live will be launching for PlayStation Four, PlayStation Five, and Steam at the end of the month on April twenty seventh. So kind of. If anyone's been following any of these uh, these titles that start out exclusively on Switch, Triangle Strategy, Octopath Traveler initially, etc., this is kind of expected. It was going to end up on Steam eventually. Uh, Adam, have you played this game yet, or is this your chance to play it? This will be. I was waiting for this. All right, I figured you were because that seems to be like your mantra. Uh, which yeah, is I mean, like, this is great because like uh, like e- even on the Switch, like. It had like one thirty FPS limit, but and two like it, 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 there were some like points that like chugged on the switch. Um, so great, you know. The more, the I more think people, that means the... we're now waiting for what Dragon Quest Treasures. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yes, is that is that the last one we're waiting for? Well, in terms of like a Switch exclusive, I'm trying to remember. Did Square Enix publish that or did Nintendo? Let me check. Usually, like for Live Alive, just to be clear. That was a Nintendo published game. Like Square Enix did not mention that at all. In, in yeah, the, yeah, you're right. Port. Let me check here. Oh, uh, hey, you've, yeah. you've got Nintendo and Square listed as the publisher. So Dragon Quest Treasures was actually published by Square Enix on a Nintendo platform, which is actually a little bit unusual because mm-hmm. usually the Nintendo game are exclu- the exclusives are Nintendo published, but not this one. And just oh, yeah. to be clear, the uh, Front Mission remake, Square Enix did not publish or develop that. It's just mm. They just licensed the IP. 
this live lives in a fun place in the last 12 months last 18 months have been really good because we've had these these are kind of this is a tenuous connection but live alive obviously originally released in japanese only was never officially localized kind of a white whale for a lot of people but very highly regarded and kind of one of those forbidden fruits gets released in english as a game originally developed in 1994 and as far as i can tell the reception to it critically and commercially has been pretty damn great like live alive is a game that i see a lot of people even myself came to that game without really any expectations thinking like damn this game is something different and exciting and fun and unique and the fact that i was able to maintain maintain that because occasionally you get these games that are kind of over promised because you know it was this thing that came out in japan you couldn't have access to it when you finally get it. it's a bit disappointing but live alive definitely wasn't that and neither was like trails to azure or the crossbell games from that series so how you know all these late localizations for these games that we finally get hands on they, they've been worth the wait in my opinion so more getting more people access to be able to play live alive on playstation or on uh or on pc uh I'll, I'll just say that uh i highly recommend it speaking of late english localizations that have been dated recently uh you'll have to help me on that one which one's that is that rhapsody <laughs> <laughs> i'm not looking at the spreadsheet i don't know where we had it in our slot but yes uh, i'm talking about rhapsody uh we're just going well, all over the place. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, um, let's, let's stay let's stay on the Square Enix front. We'll we'll go to Rap City later. But uh, we have a release date for all right. This is kind of, this is still a bit of a, a bit of a U-turn, but uh remember that other January release, uh Forspoken from Square Enix? We'll never forget that. <laughs> all right, so uh Forspoken, we already knew that it was gonna get a DLC pack called Intanta We Trust. That will launch on May 26th. You know, nothing else going on in May. Uh, so this is a, a prequel event, which takes 25 years before the events of the game. Uh, though it still, it still features, I guess, Frey. So I, I guess there's time travel involved in some sort. So if you were one that really thought that the backstory about the Tantas and Forspoken was really interesting and cool, well, this will get your chance to kind of experience that oh. firsthand. I, I kind of had the opposite reaction where I, I, I don't know how to feel about this because I'm like, man, they, I, I beat her spoken in the last two weeks. And I'm like, man, they like all the stuff that happened in the story, like we don't, it's very, very thin. Like we don't know anything about it. And it just kind of falls flat because of that. And it's like, well, here's the solution buy the DLC and you'll figure out what happened. Like, oh, that's awesome. That's not really what I was looking for. But uh, so. I'm not necessarily interested in it, but it's almost like I guess this might sort of explain the things that I was curious about when I played the main game, I guess. I don't know. So you, so you just got to beat uh, Tears of the Kingdom before. Uh, it's, it's, just just like, it's just like, uh, you know, how they handled it uh, early DLC. Like, you know, when you wanted to see the ending of a game, like uh, Ashura's Wrath. Was Prince of Persia. Prince of Persia. Let's get the DLC. You want to get important backstory to the game, main game? Don't answer some answers about the main plot. Get the DLC. You know. Yeah. No. No trailer or anything uh, accompanying this. Just just a press release and a key art. So I mean, I, I, I at this point it's just like just fulfilling the obligation, right? Like it's not really gonna. It's not like it's going to help luminous productions. Or, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of. It's like, all right, we've already had this in the oven, so might as well get it out and ship it. 
So yeah, to be clear, this DLC was announced yeah. a long time ago. Like, yeah, I mean, I tried. I tried to make that clear. We knew also, about it. Also, <laughs> to be clear again, people that bought the deluxe edition paid for this DLC, so they have to deliver on it. Yes, and also, you uh, if you got the deluxe edition, you get to play it early. So. Congrats. Yes, you get to play my DLC three days early. I'm sure most um, of the people that uh, bought the uh, Forspoken uh, for Deluxe Edition are very excited to be able to play the DLC for the game early. Yeah, I, I'm glad they're, they're glad they I'm glad they spent like they spent ninety five dollars to play it three days early. I mean, I I, to, I will say that Forspoken, I. I the story and the characters I did think were a lot better than some of the additional marketing led to believe, but still the experience was kind of forgettable. Okay, Brian, so, it's over. It's so over. I don't know. I'm trying to just be generous. <laughs> I will play this DLC because I I always feel like I I can't because if I don't play the DLC, then my opinion is null and void. It's like, well, this That's DLC true. explained explained all the things. So all of your you never know. This might be the best DLC of all time, and yeah. we'd all be missing out on it. It's okay. like this, like Zeno log, you know. All, all of your criticisms have been imp- have been like uh, addressed. So this, uh, yeah. yeah. So we'll, yeah. eventually, you don't want outdated opinions now. Come on now. <laughs> all right, so uh, we'll continue on the other headline we're we're completely out of order now but we'll, we'll at least try to try to keep it as clear in, in the in the timestamps so the other uh, release of, or yeah re-release of a game that originally never made it in english rhapsody moral kingdom chronicles specifically is it rhapsody 2 is the one that never made it in english but we got one three and two and three. Oh, so yeah two and three oh, are both wrong. new and then one was the only one we had before but rhapsody moral kingdom chronicles the bundle pack will be launching on august 29th uh, in North America, September 1st in Europe for uh, Switch, PS5, and PC. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. That's, uh, that, that, we, we finally have an RPG at the late August <laughs> mm. <laughs> time frame. That, like, I, I feel like video games just stopped coming out after like July this year. Mm. <laughs> That's what it feels like. I mean, we say that every year, and then like, uh, well, I was gonna say just wait until E three, but nah, I guess yeah, it's, uh, wait, wait until E three, wait Speaking... until E uh, three this year. Or well, well, well you you're, you're giving me another segue to another funeral where we'll, we'll talk <laughs> about it. <laughs> all right, that okay, we're... intentional that time. I know, I know. It's, it, it, it's just sit at the bottom of this. All right, so we're I'm gonna rewind the clock here a little bit. So a few other things that have at the time of recording come out or just about to come out uh here's one that is uh an early access release which we for early access games we try to at least mention when they get available in early access and then when they become upgraded to version 1.0 uh this is a game that released in early access at the end of march on the 30th called tainted grail the fall of avalon Uh, it's a first person rpg from developer questline who made a roguelike game called Tainted Grail Conquest in May 2021. And I kind of brought this up. It's an early access RPG, but I thought it was kind of interesting because it has a a 90 second gameplay trailer for its early access launch. And I don't know about you, but I've in the mid 2010s, I enjoyed a lot of first person RPGs that hasn't like Outer Worlds and Cyberpunk didn't quite hit. So I look at this and I kind of see promise and I'm like, man, I haven't played one of these in a while that I've actually enjoyed. So I this maybe might be the sort of thing that actually kind of kind of scratches that itch or however you want to phrase it. However, it's also early access. So I don't know if I want to jump in now 
or jump in once it's had, you know, you know, the answer to this every time (laughs) and then later. Yeah. But, but basically I I look at this little trailer for this uh, early access game, tainted grail, the fall of Avalon. And I'm like, you know what? This actually looks pretty neat. I got my eye out on this one. And I know, I know there's a, there's a lot of people I don't even like the first person on principle, but I kind of do. So I'll, I'll keep an eye out on this one, but you know, early access periods can last anywhere from four months to four years. So who knows when this will actually release a version 1.0, but I uh, wanted to at least give a shout out here. You can actually, you can buy it and play it uh, as of March 30th. I have a challenge for you uh, on this game, or actually on this on this news piece. What's up? I want I want you to try and pronounce the name of the Polish author mentioned in the news article for this game. Uh, Krzysztof Piskorski. Oh, right. <laughs> sure. There you go. All right, I'll, I'll I'll trust the pronunciation because I didn't know how to ever just start on it. <laughs> well, I can't even pronounce the the Witcher name, Andrei Saporowski. What, what I can't. Anyways, the context was is that this Avalon universe is like based off of a Polish author. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be as good as Witcher, of course. Yeah, that's how it works. That still reminds me, there's still like four Witcher games in development too. So eventually. Mm-hmm. We'll be eating good when these things finally release, like before the heat death of the universe. Uh, okay, so continuing on, um, on April twelfth, so in a few days of recording, this is this is quite a U-turn. Uh, for those that are subscribed to Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pack, you will be able to play Pokemon Stadium on your Nintendo Switch. However, because it's uh, obviously an emulated-ish version of the original N sixty four game that could originally speak to your Game Boy and Game Boy Color carts. This version of the game, you can only use like the pre-populated rental. rental Pokemon, which mm-hmm. I, I I played Pokemon Stadium one and two. I think they released only a few years apart, so I don't remember exactly what was in one or what was in the other. But some of those late gym challenges or Victory Road things, or whatever they called it, like those things were tough as nails. And I remember at the time it was either one or two, but beating like the Elite Four on the hardest difficulty was like the genuine way to get I hope I'm remembering this right. It was how you got surfing, surfing Pikachu, Pikachu yep. in Pokemon Yellow. And I remember like I was a Grognard Pokemon a 12-year-old with too much free time and I wasn't good enough to do it. Like Lorelai kept kicking my ass. But not and now they're gonna ask you to do that with rental Pokemon. Uh, like and obviously the surfing Pikachu is not in the thing anymore, but I'm just wondering like how it's gonna feel with the rental Pokemon uh as the only option. However, I also remember that the Pokemon amusement park ditto mini games or whatever. It was almost like a Mario game. Yeah. I love that one. Well, not, well, not, not so just not just the sushi game, but like those, those mini games in general, it was like a mini uh, Mario party only with Pokemon theming in terms of like the mini games. And I remember like spending hours doing that. I remember the Metapod hardened. I mean, uh, I remember that. Dude, Um, that show is so sick. And it does say it supports online functionality. Up to four players can battle it out, including the kids club mini game selections. All right, they're all so, getting hop on, log in. We're, we're, we're getting the sushi. <laughs> we're doing the fucking Lickitung sushi and the Metapod Hardened game. <laughs> all right. What was the other? fairy memorization one. I remember that one. Yeah. Um, what was the other? One? What was the other ones? I don't. I don't remember offhand, but I remember I spent so much. I, I spent oh, equal yeah. amount of time doing yeah. those versus the uh, the actual They're Pokemon so Stadium. But yeah, it comes was, there out, like uh, a, was, there, was there like an electrode one where like you you try to like make sure it doesn't explode? Was there one like that? Oh, I'm trying to remember. Or like one you don't get zapped for the electrode? It's something uh, like that. 
All right, I, I, I'm I'm researching. By researching, I mean Googling. Pokemon Stadium Kids Club. All right, <laughs> we have Magikarp Splash. Control Magikarp. I remember Magikarp. that one now. Yes. Clef Clefairy Says. That's the memory yes. game. Run, Rattata, run. So that's on a... Uh, where oh, you yeah. Jump, where, where, you, where you jump over the hurdles. Uh, yes. Drowsy Snore War. I don't remember. Oh, how I was so works. good at that. It like it, it uses the, the pendulum, and then you have to time it right when it, when it hits the center of it to for it to keep on going. It'll go faster and faster as it's swinging through that middle part, and you have to keep on uh, basically on the beat of the pendulum. Swing. Uh, Thundering Dynamo. That's the one with the electrodes. Sushi okay. Go Round. That's the one with the lick of tongues. Ekans Hoop Hurl. That's where you throw Ekans at a bunch of diglets as they come oh, out. I totally forgot about that one. Yeah, I would have done that. All right. Rock Harden. Okay, I'm, I'm going to read this. This is based. I'm I'm on Serebi right now. Serebi.net, uh, which is a excellent Pokemon fan site resource. Um, this game has you control a Metapod or a Kakuna. In this game, you need to use the move Harden and protect yourself from rocks getting thrown at you to prevent loss of hit points. To do this, you press the A button. There is a catch to this game, however, as the use of Harden drains your hit points. As such, you need to hit Harden just as the rock is about to hit your Pokemon. The winner is the last one standing. Yeah, it's basically a perfect block contest. It was so <laughs> sick, and I remember I I I, I was good with Metapod because of the way it like it's like like its model interactive in the rock like it gets on a pointy top. But I was always bad with Kakuna because it has a curved top, so I was, I was never so I was quite never like quite sure when the, you know, when the uh, perfect block. Yeah, man, fuck, this is bringing back a flood of memories. Holy last, crap! Uh, we're going we're going completely completely in a boomer mode here. <laughs> Uh, okay, and the, the the last one. Well, I, I this sounds fun, but also it's like, oh, you need Nintendo Switch Online to play this? No thanks. Like, I'm never gonna play this because it's on Nintendo Switch Online. That's just that's my. I don't know. No. Yep. But man, it it sure uh, brought back a lot of memories. Uh, the, the, the the last game is Dig Dig Dig, where you play as Sandrew. Oh yeah. yeah you yeah, just yeah. alternate shoulder button presses. Anyways, that'll come out on Nintendo Switch Online expansion pack, uh, in just a couple days at the time of recording. All right. Uh, Final Fantasy XIV is getting its next major patch, 6.4, titled The Dark Throne, uh, on May 31st. Sorry, not 31st. Late May 2023. I don't know if we actually have a date. We don't have a date. We'll gotcha. get a uh, we'll get another uh, live letter in a few weeks, which will have the actual date and like the final bit of uh, information we need to know about uh, heading into the into the uh, patch. Mm. so i obviously i could read through the uh the patch notes or the this the press release here and it's kind of a lot of the stuff that i would expect to see additional weapon quests addition additional main scenario quests additional uh quests alongside tataru well what, what are the significant like like they see bullet points here for the james and um, like, uh, new like new New raid tier, which is probably the biggest one for people like uh, Chow and I. Uh, okay. More uh, story quests, obviously, um, which includes another trial. I think that's the last. No, no, it's not the last trial. I think 6.5 would be the last trial added to the game. I think um, there's uh, also going to be another Criterion Variant Dungeon, which uh, I have a feature on about um, those I put out around 6.25. Oh, yeah, those were I the... Uh, that. 
yeah. those were the branching path dungeons. I remember you showed some mm -hmm. of the flowcharts of that, and I thought that that sounded really neat in concept. Also, uh, Josh Tolatino put up in the headline here, buffs Blue Mage. It looks like Blue Mage can get to level 80. Now, I know Blue yeah, Mage is kind of a strange a class because it's like a, like a story-based class or something like that? No, no, no. Um, no basically, no. it's a limited job, which means that uh, whatever the hell the, de the developer team decides. Uh, like, uh, I'll just be blunt here. The development team said, okay, so what you can do with Blue Mage is going to be very specific. You're going to have to have pre-made parties, and the whole, whole thing is, like, gathering, like, uh, skills from, like, different bits of content. Uh, I remember, like, a while back, they said, oh, yeah, Blue Mage is never going to be able to do ultimate raids. And I say, cowards, make a separate achievement for every ultimate raid, level 70 and 80, and just let Blue Mages do it. Cowards. But, uh, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're a 14 player and you've played for any significant amount of time, you already know what's going to be up with this next patch. It's, mm. uh, that's new content, but uh, since it's one of the uh, later patches in the expansion cycle, it's very much they very much settled into a stable um, like rotation for what's being added. There's nothing like groundbreaking like the PvP reworks or Island Sanctuary being added or the introduction of Criterion or Variant Dungeons and that sort of thing. So it's like just more content. Uh, it's obvious that uh, the development team at this point is uh, ramping up production on 7.0. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong have, with that, to be clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, the the point four patch, point five patch is usually where it starts pivoting towards the next the next expansion release. Correct. So that's kind of what we were. Yeah. I was thinking we were expecting here to start seeing the the story yeah. threads kind of breadcrumb towards that. Anything I missed, Chow, or did I kind of uh, sum it up? It's pretty much it. You know, if we wait till 6.5 and we get the last Lions raid, and that's usually how the patch structure all goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and we already know we're not getting another ultimate, so as far as, like, high-end content goes, this is going to be the last one, but even then, I know some people that, are, that always kind of say the last but savage like share of an expansion doesn't really matter because you don't, like, you're... You're going for BIS, but that BIS isn't going to matter because there's no ultimate to use it in. So it's like, it's kind of a fake tier because there's like, mm. yeah. This one's just a tiny one. Um, obviously, we talked about and we'll talk a little bit more about E3 or the beast that used to be known as E3 is not happening this year. More on that Rest later. Peace. Uh, but on like on paper, they're saying that E3 itself is not fully dead, but it's dead. Yeah, we all well, know it's dead. But we've already learned about, like, for instance, uh, the Starfield Direct from Microsoft and Bethesda is still happening in June. And then CD Projekt Red has announced that they're going to be releasing more information about their major DLC pack for Cyberpunk 2077, Phantom Liberty, which we haven't heard about since last December. They gave us a, basically a very quick tease saying more information on their new project also in June. Xbox Key is also doing a general event in June. Yeah, Xbox, yeah. Xbox is it's doing actually, an event in June. Uh, Keeley is still doing a Summer Games Fest in June. So June is still, I think, going to be a time for announcements, but it's just no longer bundled together in 
the conventional well, way that we were that we're used to. Well, I mean, if you look at the timing with uh, Summer Games Fest and like Ubisoft's thing and Microsoft's thing, and uh, there was one other company, uh, the PC Gaming Show, which also just got announced, it lines up within the week that Summer Games Fest is. So it, if anything, it's just uh, the industry has definitely decided, OK, E3's dead. We'll just mesh ourselves around Kiwi's thing. Yeah, it's, it's just more like it's yeah, it's just more like a re, re, restructuring of how we see event, video game events like post yeah. like quote unquote post. We're not really still out of COVID. And, and to be clear, but, to but be like, clear for everyone that's not pressed in industry, I don't think there's really gonna be that big of a difference because if you're right. outside of the industry and all you're doing is like like reading the press releases and watching the conferences, it sounds like it's business as usual. It's just it's gonna be either directly tied to Kiwi's thing or it's just going to be quote unquote standalone, but the same week as Kiwi's thing. So it doesn't really matter what the distinction is there. I, th- I think I think the biggest loss is like for people who really like like that the the fanfare of like E3's energy of like like the stupid energy of E3, let's say of like before like you know when, when press conference live in person press conference events were still a thing. There's stage events. Everyone got like got together to see. Oh, this is when the Microsoft show, E3 show, press conference is going to go I live. So the Sony press conference is going to go live, and like and people, you know, watch that to be like to see the announcements, and some part of it is also to see like what goofy shit was going to happen on stage. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, I think Microsoft will still probably let people go in because it's going to be at the Microsoft Theater. It's right there. Yeah, it's Microsoft like, has always been kind of strange because they're like, we're not E3, but we're across the street on the same day. <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, OK. Yeah. I mean, they own the theater, so it's right. like, it makes sense that they that they just be like, well, we can. It doesn't really cost us much, much extra to just let people come in. And it's like free publicity and whatnot. I don't even know which news article we're on anymore. Are we like, are we like jumping uh, between two articles along we, with we, 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 we kind of, we kind of jumped around. So then the main article I was pulling is that Cyberpunk 2077 will get more information in June from CD Projekt. so far away. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't even like, I couldn't even guess what, what the main article was until you said it. Well, we have oh. two, we have, we have two more release windows and then we can go into funeral March. All right. Oh, so this, this next one's actually kind of interesting. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, I think four weeks ago, uh, Josh kind of led the discussion on a preview event of, at the time, a May release for Atlas Fallen. This is the new kind of open world action RPG, Souls-like-ish, uh, from Deck 13 Interactive. Uh, and then this must be like one of the shortest release date to release delay announcements ever. So Atlas Fallen, here's the, here's the new news post. The new news is that Atlas Fallen has been delayed to August 10th. But it wasn't announced. It was okay. It was announced in mid March that Atlas Fallen would launch on May 16th. And then it was announced in late March that it was delayed to August. So within two weeks of the original release date announcement, they delayed the game. That's just a bit strange. Very strange. Like, I like, I like this, like, I, I guess. I mean, if you think about like the your feedback to the preview, maybe like you know most of the previews like yeah, this all like you know if the the this thing that needs some time to cook, but if they like you know if the final build is like be, like a uh, more optimized, better representative of like you know what 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 the game is, then like they could have something really good on their hands. And like, oh fuck, <laughs> there's no way we can like live up to these expectations by our original release date of May 16th because you know like 
a lot like for example like um when you're fast traveling in between points in that game like i i just assume like it's an in development build it's fine but it's like it, it was almost like a direct storage type of speed where like it's almost instant like the teleportation but like when you fast travel like it, it like it like built up the assets really 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 fast and it's like oh that's like must be like an in development build type of thing that they'll smooth out but maybe that's like that's like something that's like oh we really need more time to kind of make this fast traveling experience smoother and better rather than just like it kind of like building assets really really fast in front of you or um or they're just it's avoiding more, Zelda. One theoretical example, you know? <laughs> well, I was just thinking, well, we already talked about May. They could just be avoiding Zelda. But also, like, they probably took... Because they released the release date before the gameplay footage. It was very strange. Yeah. Um, so they released the gameplay footage alongside the preview opportunity. But then May was getting kind of crowded. So now it's to August. And August is kind of like, okay, maybe that's a better time for it, though. I'm sure by the time we go through all these summer events, August is also going to be crowded. But... Uh, August 10th now for uh, Atlas Fallen. Yeah, I mean, you know, take t- take all the time you need to, like, yeah. uh, you know, tighten up and polish the mm-hmm. experience, you know? Like, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, would, I would rather they delay it and, and hopefully get, like, uh, the state of the game better than most <laughs> early 2023 releases out the door, you know? I would rather they just go this route. I've, I've to be honest, I wish more early 2023 releases got more delayed. Mm-hmm. Um, Based on the state that they launched in, but um, hopefully, hope that you know this delay gives them the time they need to really, you know, have a good day one experience of this game. What, what else can you say to this? You know, like yes, please delay more games if it'll if it'll make your product uh, in a better state on day one. I don't I, like it's ridiculous that like you know the industry is like more preferable. It's like hey, don't get this game right now. Wait till like it's a better spot. Like three months later and it'll be at a lower price you know mm-hmm. it's like it's like every time it just feels like you just get slapped in the face every time you like you buy something on day one it's like what what, what am i doing you know at this we, point? well we, we saw that with so many releases from the early window um unfortunately that's kind of the world we live in and hey not only that but you can play it early if you if you pay more money so. yeah let's go <laughs> $95 well yeah not uh, I was speaking generally it's just for, I know <laughs> for, the, for the for the record there is currently nothing announced for playing Atlas Fallen early but I wouldn't be surprised if it was uh the last release window announcement uh this one's pretty brief uh this is for Infinity Strash Dragon Quest the Adventures of Die this is a uh the action RPG based on the original manga which was recently rebooted into a recent anime uh this game was announced a few years back now like 2020 um September 2022, it was announced that the Adventures of Die would have a simultaneous global release, but no window was given. So the update here is just a very brief update that Infinity Strash, Dragon Quest, Adventures of Die will launch this fall. So kind of very general. We already knew it was worldwide. 2023 was already presumed. We're given the window of fall this year. Um, No new footage accompanying that, but something to pen on our calendars for September October time frame. Yeah, some new screenshots though. Oh, we got sc- Oh yeah, the screenshots are new. So the 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 trailer is from last September. Uh the screenshots are, are new. Yeah, I do want to see what this, the final game looks like at this point. The the the, the gameplay that they showed at Tokyo Game Show uh, looked pretty fun. But yeah, they, the, they, ga- they the gameplay they, looks they a to little be stiff. Go for it. I was say the uh-huh. gameplay looks yeah. a little stiff. I okay. I don't know a better way to describe it. Like yeah. it's it's like uh he moves and then when he swings his weapon he almost like 
repositions and stops and then like goes through an animation to screen. Oh uh, yeah. I can't, yeah, it's, it's hard to describe. It just seems very stiff. Uh, and there's some people the way that would describe it. Like it just looks like it came from a mobile game. It's like, well, maybe. Mm. <laughs> I mean, like the, the people will say that about like anything these days. Yeah, you know? it, looks yeah. like, it looks like it was AI generated. It looks like this. it's like, what does that even mean anymore? <laughs> I will say though, that the, uh, the music and all the trailers for this game have been complete bangers. So Hell yeah, as that going for it. I don't know. I don't know who's yeah. doing the music, but they're doing a great job. But, um, I, the, the, like they, I, I kind of surprises me. Like they, they've been really taking their time with development on this game. I like, said 2020. Let me make sure I had that right. When was this game announced? Announced? Yeah, May 2020. So it's been a while. Yeah, it, it went dormant for a long while. Yeah. So I hopefully you know whatever all the development time they've been like you know using for this game. Hopefully it's just reflective in the final product. And like yeah, hopefully it's like a great mm-hmm. deal of care and polish is put is put into the final product. You know, I want this to be as good as it can be. Be. Uh, I, I I am a fan after watching the that new anime for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was it was pretty good, pretty good. Do you think there's going to be a big Dragon Quest showing pretty soon? Even the was it the website for Twelve? The logo just recently has a little slight graphic. I, I feel I feel like they're they're, they're kind of leading up to it, right? They're like you know they need to show more of this Infinity Trash game. They need to say what the fuck is happening. The Dragon Quest Three HD Two D remake. They need to. You've been so long about a Dragon Quest. Uh, yeah. Yes, I yeah. came out in December. There, there has to be at least one a year. I know. They, I understand. They, they have to show what, like you know, they have to show Dragon Quest Twelve eventually. You know, I think it's it's being made in Unreal Engine Five. Is it? I think was they it said four. I or did they even say if it was four or five? I they I, I remember it's Unreal Engine, but I don't know if they mentioned a number. But um, yeah, I mean, there, there's still a lot of. There's a lot of Dragon Quest. It, it, it is Unreal Engine Five. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. If Will they... Dragon Quest Twelve be the first game that we see actually release on Unreal Engine Five? No, Atlas Fallen is using Unreal Engine Five. It is. Oh. Yes. Hmm. I didn't realize we hadn't gotten any release on Unreal Engine Five yet. Fortnite, technically. Oh yeah, technically Fortnite. They've already. <laughs> there you go. Fortnite's basically the the development stage for Unreal Engine. Yeah, Fortnite. So it automatically wins every time. All right, now that we've gotten the announcements out of the way, now we can go to the funeral procession. Uh, even even though I think we've pretty much um, kind of covered everything with regarding the E three portion of this. So yeah, E three uh, officially, it was under new management by Repop. They we can just say they sent out requests for press press access and all that. However. Uh, late March, all digital and physical events regarding E3 2023 were officially canceled. There were plans to actually go this year, like they had, like Alex, like devised, like here's the hit squad for E3. Oh, God. All right. Yeah, they, they yeah, we, we, we some of us applied for press passes. We got an official confirmation. Uh, like it was, yeah. it was going to be a thing, and then, but yep. more and more people, you know, pulled out, yeah. and like they couldn't get the support they we, needed, yeah. etc. We can say this that uh, we have been invited to Kiwi's thing. Which is, uh, it's not just that Summer Games Fest is just going to be a show. There's, there is like a hands-on, like press and industry thing mm-hmm. that will be separate. We can't say anything more about that, but we, I'm, I'm personally going to be attending for the site in uh, June. Yeah. So. so, but yeah, I mean, it, it, obviously, you know, the the reasons are pretty obvious on why E3 is not being held this year. Um, now, like in the bigger overall 
question is like, are they even going to try again next year? I'm sure, yes, they will try to have an E3 2024. But is there, do we now, is this going to be like the, the a thing where like, is there ever going to be a reason or ex- an excuse to like have like a big load of people come to LA for like a traditional convention center event like E3? I truly like, think it, 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 like, it, like if there's no interest this year, I can't see if there's going to be any interest in the nearby future at all. Maybe one day in the far future, I but also, certainly not now. I, I can't say which companies are going to be attending Summer Games Fest because that is yeah, not public, but from a list that I've gotten, I can say that I think that, nah, I think the industry is just kind of falling behind Keeley here. Yeah, so I mean, you know, the... the uh, like the yeah, the ESA and Reed Puff is saying yeah, we'll, we'll still continue to collaborate like you know when he, he, idea for like whatever E3 is gonna look like in the future but who knows I don't know this is in the end you know like E3 served its purpose I guess and it, it, I mean you know, not I guess it certainly did uh, for a good handful of years you know mm-hmm guiding you know what what video games are known to be now and getting that mainstream coverage from like more traditional news outlets on tv you know even if it was only for like a brief moment in that and those news coverage just but it's like it, there's a whole there's a lot of sentimental value like you know that people associated with especially like people who like kind of grew up on like early streaming services like i remember when game trailers was like a live streaming like press conference or game spot like in a world when like they didn't like officially hold their own conference like own stream conferences like you had to play on like third party sites to like to get that coverage well i think unfortunately um, a lot of the nostalgia like we saw g4 reboot and get shut down yeah. within a year of reboot and then game yeah. trailers most of that staff went to easy allies which is going yeah. strong seven years on but doesn't have a huge following it's kind of that niche kind of boutique following well um, yeah. even then easy allies over years has definitely shed a lot of weight mm. like a yeah. lot of the uh the uh like uh really uh memorable characters that were part of it are just doing their own thing mm. like so yeah yeah and even yeah. like uh um giant bomb most of mm-hmm. those staff have gone to do their own things now too so it's kind of a new yeah, era. Yes, that, that's that's kind of like the changing of the times, you know. It's like you you have to adapt, or you know, you adapt or die, pretty much. And uh, that that's just the way of things as as time goes on, you know. Every every the times change. The the way that we do things change. The way people consume media and what the what their expectations are change. Um, especially more so that like you know, ever since the pandemic. Well, I, I Adam, well, pandemic really that killed them. You know, a lot of publishing. I, I mean, not not, not even, I, I, I think I think the pandemic accelerated, but I think either was already on its way out before the pandemic. When you yeah, think it about, was. Like, but, yeah, it definitely, accelerated. It definitely, it definitely accelerated for sure. But I'm sad about, that I didn't get to attend before 2017 because even then it was on the downslope. But 2017 was the earliest I attended, which was you know it only lasted two more years past that point. So I, I'm sad that I never got to attend in like the heyday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean that that's 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 the biggest loss for like people who went right. It's like it's like you you went there sure for to see the new games and do the coverage for whatever outlet you that you are working for. But 
at the end of the day, you really went to E3 just to like go meet with people. Yeah, for the network. Whether it was like other, whether it was like coworkers, you yeah, you don't usually get to see. Whether it was like people you don't you don't usually get to see. Whether you got to see, of course, meeting with game developers, mm-hmm. game publisher, and like seeing like the the electricity, the enthusiasm, like like you know just. People were always excited to like showcase, hey, here's what we're working on. It's fucking awesome. And you went there and you just see like you see that passion. And you mm-hmm. see like the blood, sweat, and tears of like people like you know what what they've been working on for the, like years and years to come. And you saw like the like the indie section, like all the cool new innovation ideas that like indie developers are working on and like what they were cooking there, you know? Yeah. Like, even if you have like we even have like RPG outside alumni stuff like Andrea. Who represented, you know, mm. like some some of those indie booth sections when they when they you know moved on. Um, it was it was awesome. It was always awesome just like talking to them, no matter like you know, like like even if I was even if the game itself wasn't like something I was like not personally like it maybe it was like a genre or like like I wasn't interested in. I was always interested to interested to hear like what their thoughts were going into it, like, what they were, what they were up to, what were, like, just, like, because game development is such a fucking crazy process, and any games that, like, games that get released are, you know, people you see, you hear it time and time again, like, when video games come together and get released, they're always a miracle that they yeah. get released at all, you know? It seems very mysterious back then. Like back then, you don't know what a game is like, but now right. information just comes out instantly. So yeah, the mystery is completely lost. So there's kind of like no reason to attend live events because of it. You know, at least mm-hmm. I see see the end of these things. Yeah, but you know that E three was such a it was a cool thing, and you just it's weird. It's weird, you know. You but it like. Yeah, the Keeleys are cool and all, but like you'll never get something like Nintendo's like crazy booth designs or Capcom's like RE7 mansion. You know, I miss like E3 2015, which was the first time I went to E3. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not a great year for Nintendo, but I will say playing Star Fox Zero and a replica R is actually pretty sick. Yeah, like the the set booth designs like that that were constructed for E3 are not to mention. Amazing. Not to mention E3 2016, the whole setup they had for Breath of the Wild was just insane. Oh yeah, that was really cool. Like it was very atmospheric and like in that, like it was very tragic to even like deliver that kind of atmosphere in like in like a busy booth space. But like, you know, but that, that those things are very, very, very expensive and they don't make sense to do anymore. So there are two more funerals here. Oh boy, I'm not uh... ready. I don't know if we should. Uh, should I just say them both at the same time? Uh, are you going to say them both at the same time? You're just like uh, uh, have two separate audio channels. <laughs> I don't mean at the literally at the same time. All right, so we we have we have two mobile games that are okay. ending and that are shutting down service. Okay. Uh, one of which is Gundam Breaker Mobile is shutting down on June 2023. Hey, uh, if, that's the good if, one. That, that that that's the that, that's the good funeral. <laughs> Oh, okay. I, I don't know why it's a good funeral, but maybe you'll elucidate on that. Okay, yeah. okay. Here's why. Here's why it's a good funeral. Okay, Gundam Breaker Mobile was a thing no one who played the Gundam Breaker games really fucking wanted. Okay, like, gun, like people who play Gundam Breaker wanted like a follow up to Gundam Breaker Three because Gundam Breaker Three is fucking amazing. But we didn't get a Gundam Breaker Four. Instead, we got New Gundam Breaker, which was abysmal and abominable. And I think 
I reviewed it on the site. On the site, I kept. I don't know if I gave it a two, three, or four. It was somewhere around there. Oh, was, oh you, yeah, I didn't realize so you covered this. Yeah, I, I reviewed New Gundam Breaker on the site. I, 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 oh, I New Gundam like, Breaker. I thought they yeah, Gundam Breaker Mobile. Not, no, no, not Gundam Breaker Mobile. Like, it, like the game was called New Gundam Breaker, which was the the follow up to Gundam Breaker Three. And that that follow up was from a, an, an entirely new development team. It wasn't the Gundam Breaker development, like the 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 actual developers of the Gundam Breaker mainline games. It fucking sucks shit. They there's the whole. I, I could keep on going going on and on, but New Gundam Breaker sucked compared to. Gundam Breaker 2 and Gundam Breaker 3. Um, and of course, that was the one that got localized internationally as it on Steam instead of the, uh, any of the other ones. It fucking blows. And then the actual Gundam Breaker devs were off making Gundam Breaker Mobile. And that game sucks shit too because, like, you know how you, like, you got, like, in gotcha games, you gotcha for, like, characters and weapons and stuff like that? And Gundam Breaker Mobile, you gotcha for gunpla parts. Like every single individual part, like the head, the chest, the arms, the legs, and the backpack. It sounds like a very expensive game. <laughs> You're knowing me. So, so how, how how would it work? Would it like? Could you just use like all these little parts? Could you have like a wing gun with a turny head? And, yes. And yeah. It would work or would yes, you it, it would work. But but you, but, you, but, you, but you would need you would need to you need you would need to get the turny head. You need to gotcha for the turny head. Gotcha for the wing zero Gundam wing zero head. The chest. The the arms, the legs, and the backpack. So it's it's all by parts. It's never as a set. It's all the, all those are thrown to a pool, and then you gotcha for them, and then they throw that on top of like a very forgettable cast, a very forgettable story, and like of course the the gameplay was super dumbed down for mobile. It, it barely fucking ran on phones. It was poorly optimized. It overheated a good chunk of phones. <laughs> um, you know. Um, events were very grindy. It eventually got very greedy and power like the the power creep was insane. And then you know it was it was very just very underwhelming if you were into like the traditional Gundam Breaker games. So so hearing it that's getting shut down gives you the most slimmest, tiniest bit of hope that hopefully Bandai Namco is gonna have the Gundam Breaker devs like make a new console game that's like a Gundam Breaker four instead of like don't ever touch a new Gundam Breaker ever again. Just let that like burn in hell and just had them work on the new Gundam Breaker 4 game instead of like shooting them into the sun or something you know hopefully these devs are like put into good use and making it like a fucking cool ass game um that gets like released really simultaneously I have one more question for you Joe. okay go what for is, it what is that Gundam that you show me with the awesome animation with the charge counterattack, kind of like redoing some of the scenes there. Oh, that's from another Gundam mobile game that's only in Japan. Like it's like UC Gundam Engage. It's like that's like uh, like it's like very Moon Gundam focused. I think. Um, yeah, they redid it. Like they they re- reanimate some of like the most iconic scenes in Gundam. Like and they look really beautiful. But it's one of those games. that's like okay, kind of a pain in the ass to play because you need a VPN and all that to kind of it's like region locked essentially. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. Think all but, that uh, good animation for that. Yep, uh, all that good animation just for a mobile game, you know. But that's the, yeah, that's a different mobile game. So yes, that's the lowdown on Gundam Breaker Mobile. Um, hurrah! Sure, why not? The... Go on, Brian. All right, the say last it. one here. All right, I'll say, say it. it. Uh, I'm scared. All right, so here's the last headline: uh, Princess Connect Redive Global will end service. 
on April 30th, 2023. God fucking damn it, dude. Oh my god. This is... You have finally acquired freedom. Jesus fucking Christ, dude. I, man, when when this news hit, it, it it broke... It broke a lot of things. It broke me a little. It broke a good chunk of my friends. A little. It broke the Discord mobile mobile gay chat like for hours, days. I that one tweet from the like uh, English uh, side games account where it's like, "Where are you connecting from, my dude? You chose the worst. <laughs> <laughs> you chose the worst wording Ooh. for that tweet." Uh, so yeah, this um, this is there really... any chance that that. It, it a different company might save the global server. Is uh, it just probably, that, uh, yeah, probably not from because it's from Crunchyroll. Like, the, like uh, I imagine if they if, like no one's gonna swap it. I mean, there have been instances where like the the the, the developers themselves have gotten shit away from Crunchyroll, like Last Claudia and um, the, the Machi game. Yeah, mean. the Don Machi mobile game as well. But in this case, if they didn't announce it prior. Then I don't see Psy Games taking it back unless it's like a surprise announcement out of nowhere. But I can't see that because they, they've already burned, burned up way too much goodwill. It's like you need to have like announced it, announced it simultaneously with this uh, ending service. I think we're gonna do that, and they're gonna actually transfer. You know, there are so um, many conspiracy theories about why this game closed down. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, I mean, yes, I, I mean that. They, they, of course, they did cite a great reason, like a specific reason for like you know its closure. You know, the 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 um of course like the most popular reason is like oh you know the it's the end of fiscal year and like the 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 cost of relicense princess connect from side games from country rules perspective probably wasn't worth the cost or whatever but who knows there's no actually thing all i all i'll say is there was the uh, several of my friends and a good chunk of people on the rpg site discord played the global version of this game since like day negative fourteen or whatever, because there was like a there was like a quote unquote closed beta, which is really an open beta for this game that transferred into the full game uh, when it launched on January twenty twenty one. So we played this game like as soon as it fucking went live at like December twenty twenty, um, and and we played it pretty religiously daily because like that like I made it like an unofficial RPG site clan guild for that game. And we all got together and like, you know, there's a there's a, a thing called uh, clan battle in that game. Like, five days of every month, where like you know you'd you'd all work together, um, not in real time, but like to like take down bosses and try to get as far as you can in that clan battle for like a ranking leaderboard. And based on your ranking in that leaderboard, you awarded you know several resources for that that were like valuable to everyone. And everyone had a good time strategizing and just chatting. With everyone, it was like a, it was like a good like meeting ground of like, hey, everyone's having fun here. You know, I wasn't sweaty about it. I was very 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 chill, very casual. You know, on the way things were ran in that game. You know, people were just having fun, and there's actually a really good localization of that game. Like there was like a mini game of like Shiritori, like you know that 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 Japanese like uh, game that people play with each other, where like you fall, you say a word, and like you last uh, letter of that word, and like make a new word out of that. You know, like there's a whole mini game tied to an event in the in Princess Connect, and they like they localized that shittery mini game, and that that's not fucking easy to do because you already have like assets and all like pre planned like you know phrases and words associated to the, those assets, and like the amount of effort they did to like localize like 
every aspect of this game because everything is a very very image focused very um like there's the presentation was like gorgeous so yeah and stuff like like there were like very unique presentations of like how story content was delivered like as events went on in this and just like in you know and like the quality of the game just very high you know like every 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 uh scene was voiced uh only japanese there was like no english dub in this game but you know people enjoyed it because they can understand the story they can understand like you know the character interactions they're like you no know, character stories the events um and all the stuff associated with that you know a lot of like people on our rpg site discord like you know they they love that game you know so it was heartbreaking for a lot of them you know um, I, I feel like this whole thing just kind of came out left field it's like yeah it's out of nowhere, no i don't know it's out of nowhere because we were on the, the this 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 um news hit on the last day of a, of a clan battle event and like there was no prior leader like there's like no like there was no like winding down of like events like these were just going as normal and we thought everything was fine this was like this 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 hit out of nowhere there was no like indication that the game's performance was like winding down in the game at all um i, I think from what some people uh conspired <laughs> was that uh i think side games pulled their license away because mm-hmm. of recent scummy practices with their street fighter gotcha game and side games is very obsessed with their image you know mm-hmm. they don't like their image being tarnished and i think that's that's a reasonable theory on why they pulled that license i don't but... know I, I like it's one of those things that like i don't like i don't really buy it because and like letting that... the global version just die unceremoniously helps yeah. their image i don't know no like it like it, 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 it was for them I, I I don't think I don't I think the Street Fighter Duel thing is totally unrelated from like this. I think it's just like an end of fiscal year business decision that makes more sense than like oh no the Street Fighter Duel drama that's like totally, you know, like yeah. not associated with them honestly. And as we're well aware, Crunchyroll is uh, not adverse to uh, cutting corners. For costs as much as possible. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I think that's as well. So, well, I mean that the localization like quality of the game was pretty damn good too. You know, like it's not it's not like they they took like they took shortcuts in like you know delivering the quality of that game's like script and presentation. You know, like that was one of them. That is the single most polished product Crunchyroll Games has ever like put out because every every other thing was fucking a burning mess, and now. You know, this is kind of joining that pile as well. Uh, it it sucks. It fucking sucks, shit, dude. Uh, like, there's so I, many I, things happening all at once. There's I, I, I feel Oracle. Do you remember that Oracle, that really tasteless Oracle that came out the same day? It's like, what happens oh, yeah. if your uh, your gotcha game closed down or something like oh, that? Oh yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, like, I mean, like, it, like it was, that was like a separate contributor, right? They have no, they had no idea. I know, but it, I mean, it, was, poor timing. it was poor timing. Well, yes. Well. I don't know if it was poor timing, considering the fact they deliberately like hid who the author was on that article. Did they? I thought they had showed they up. Did. Like no, a, no, oh, they oh. they they hid the uh, the author of the article because they knew that he would who he or she would have gotten shit. I, I thought I saw their their the author's name, but I never saw clicked on that. No, they did list again. an author's name, but it was said like Crunchyroll staff or something. Like that. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I don't know, but it's just very poor timing on lots of things. It, but yeah, it's a uh, you know, I mean, life goes on, and like this is kind of like the fate of like every game and service, right? Like whether you play MMO, whether you play like an online game, you know, like one way or another, this will happen to like you know, 
your game Monday because that's kind of like the nature of like these online run games and services, right? It just okay. it just it just came out at like a very unfortunate time because like there was like nothing to really indicate it. Um, people were very you know we're still planning out like okay here are the banners I'm gonna roll for this year. I, I think that's also a problem with the game too, the banners because how my friend described this game was it's three years behind from the Japanese release, so people have three years of foresight on what is a good banner or a bad banner. And the game is very generous. You yeah. can find these two factors. It's like it's yeah. not going to be profitable. Right? Yeah, it's not. I mean, I I don't know how much it was like making like per month. I mean, obviously, yeah. Like if you just kept up with it daily, yes, it is very generous. Like I never, I like I, I still, I still have an account like on it. I still haven't, I still haven't deleted it, uh, but I haven't really opened it up since like the. Like, I I only opened it up once somehow just to read the clan chat just to make sure everything everyone's okay. You know, on that front, because you know, like so the, the, some people it hit them hard. Like, you know, I, I won't, I won't mention anyone, but like there, there are some people on the RPG side Discord that, like, you know, that this game a time for them where it really helped them lift their spirits up because they were they were going through like tough times personally in real life. You know, having that sense of community, having that sense of like camaraderie, you know, really really helped that uh, them through like a tough spot in their life, and that really meant a lot to them for some of them. You know. So like uh, I'm just on like you know just kind of booting up like you know every once every few days now just making sure that people are all right you know just you know I, I always tell them like you wanna get, uh, hang out at the Discord you know we're always here and come uh, come there and stuff like that and you know it's just it, it, the different you know you never know how people will process grief especially like in a in a game that like that they've made routine in their daily life and they made it as a habit in their daily life. Uh, uh, like you know, booting yeah. this game up like you know for a few minutes every single day. To, uh, you know, if there was an event going on, uh, like I don't know what I'll do when Gravu closes down. Yeah, so I'll, be, yeah. I'll be in shambles. Uh huh. I, I I don't know. I feel like there's just such a love and hate relationship with this game, but I always go back to it because I just love it. So and, and it sucks too because like 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 because you see you think about like the future of this game like too like like what. All the uh, all awesome stuff that like the Japanese version got. Like people were very excited. Like there's like these new units coming out this year. They're all very cool to like play with. There's like that new quality of life changes coming soon that like really transform like you know the accessibility of the game and how you build your characters. You know, and stuff like that. Like there was a lot of like really cool things like that were about to like get introduced to that game throughout the course of this year and just like and now it's just it's just all gone, you know? And Not like gone. it's fucked. It's fucked. Um, it's fucked. The global got far enough that they get like the princess units. Um, they were about to. They got. They got princess. Uh, Peko. Um, if you oh, love, uh, if you yeah. But then, but they're 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 barely. The, the, I, I think Princess Kokoro is gonna come out, and then the game will shut down like very soon right after. Wait, oh a game called God. Princess Connect didn't have princess units. There's special. There's special <laughs> units called princess units. Uh, yeah, and there, she there, has there like... are. And they're like all Gundam references. So, yeah. uh, was it Princess Pico has Strike Freedom? I mean, not Strike Freedom. Destiny Gundam wings. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah. Oh man. So yeah, like, uh, like I'm glad we we held this podcast two weeks after like it's announced because I would have been fucking shambles. Uh, last week if we had a podcast, I'd be like, I'm still trying to mentally recover, but now I've had some time to like kind of recover from it all. But man, I was. There was a good few days. I was like, "Not now, you can speak fuck? to it objectively and remember." <laughs> in remembrance, uh, it, it's like it's like one of those. I don't know. It's, it's such a weird thing, you know. It's like it's like one of those. It, it was like the one like mobile game that like kind of survived and like 
every other mobile game had like kind of like kind of fallen off of whatever. And, like this game, like I kept up with it because of that sense of community, sense of like you know, for like for like for the RPG side community because you know I was the guild leader, the clan leader of that of that RPG site clan since day one, you know, so I had to be on top of it and make sure I was on top of it and make sure I kept up with it, you know? Well, I don't know. I almost feel like I never... I'm just kind of glad that I never played Globo. I, I know that's kind of. I know. I, 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 I yeah. Say, but yeah, I, I, I know a lot of people say that. Like, obviously, yes. That, but you know, it's like, what, what can you say? Like, you can't blame people for wanting to play the English version of a game. Uh, I know, know for sure. But the whole reason why I never played Globo was just because the Japanese version gave me so much free stuff to the point that it's like, no, there's no way I could switch. There's no way I would lose all this stuff and start from the beginning. Yeah, so uh, that was my reasoning. So, and, and for people like, um, you know, they they did like me. Like, I like being at the start of a of a mobile game from day one because if I feel like like if I like. If I start a game like too late in its life cycle, like I feel like it's just overwhelming for me. I, yeah. I like that gradual ramp of like just you know seeing I, how it develops over time. I, I don't really know how people can join a gotcha game that has like it's like five years in the making. You're so behind and stuff, and you're trying to catch up to the players. You're yeah, just not I can't catch up. Yeah, I can't. Right. I can't do that. So you know, it's like I said, like you know, this is this is kind of like the fate of like every fucking mobile. As a service, every game's as a service. Whether you play, you know, Destiny, whether you play Grand Blue, whether you play Fate Go, whether you play FF14, whether you play, you know, there's anything that's like run as a service, you know. Just you. I'm not sure you, if I. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but I'm not sure if I would count like 14 there, considering like FF11 you know, is still alive and going. So I mean, that 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 thing's gonna go out of service before we die. That's just kind of like a fact. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, what do you want me to do? Like, oh no, it's never gonna run. Well, like, I, I'm sure it's gonna go out of service, but I don't think it's gonna go out of service during our lifetimes. At least that's what I I believe. I mean, I don't plan on dying tomorrow, so. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't I, know, like, I, I just don't see how like the, the game would be able to be still alive like thirty years later with like the critters probably. I I think you're around. I think you're trying to you're 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 kind of going into this dangerous hole of like oh this online game that relies on like a servers will never die it definitely will stay alive uh, for for as long as I live you know like. Well, that as kind of, that... as, as online infrastructure gets more robust and more games rely on that, whether they're games as a service or not. I wouldn't be surprised if technology allows some sort of where it, be, where it becomes a place where the online support is dropped, but the game is like archived in a certain state. Potentially. Maybe. I mean, potentially. I mean, you know, but I, I, I'm not ready to take that leap. For me, it's like any online game that relies on like server infrastructure, to me, that game is on the unlimited, uh, limited lifespan. That's not going to like, unlike my PS2 disc of like Shinobi, you know. That's always gonna fucking work if I put it to PS2, assuming that the fucking PS2 laser. But it's it's not it's not like I, I but like you know, if the hardware is working, it's not like I I, I boot up Shinobi, it's not like, oh, sorry, the server for, for Shinobi is now offline. Fuck you. You can't play this game anymore. It's like no, I'm, cur- I, I'm, I'm curious Shinobi. why your brain immediately went to Shinobi of all time. I watched I, I watched watch a Twitch streamer play Shinobi the other day. Uh, and I, was okay. like, oh, I have fond memories of that game, even though it was fucking bullshit. I just remember Shinobi from from the was it Project X Zone. There's a character that you can use from it. Yeah, it's Hatsuma from from that same PS2 game in Project I, I, I love how you describe that as I have fond memories of that game. It's fucking bullshit. Yep. 
It's a lot of things. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that's like my my postmortem, my mini postmortem of Princess Connect. <laughs> Cool. Oh yeah, I don't so, know. So we're past the three-hour mark here, and this is our final news post. So we'll want to try to kind of bring this to a bring this to a knot here. But yeah, the death of E3, the death of Princess Connect Redive Global, and I suppose Gundam Breaker Mobile as well. Yeah. well to, I know you want to wrap this up, but I got one last thing to ask. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Are you gonna play Honkai Star World now? You got no commitment to other gacha games now. Uh, I. I guess. What, what am I to tell you? I, I guess. I, I, I have no good reason not to give it a fair shot, you know? Oh. Yes. So, uh, yeah, this was announced uh, before we took a break, but Honkai Star Rail releasing on what, April 26th. Or, uh, so, yeah. The, or Switch well, and Mobile. Or, sorry. Yeah, it's, it's going to start right as Fitz Connect, Connect dies. Mm. Fucking cool. So, yeah. People Serum, are still kind of part of. Yeah, the RPG site, the mobile gay Discord, our channel is still kind of a, in a little bit of disarray from all of it. But you know, some people are still sticking it out. Some people are still like, no, I'm gonna play this game till its final, its final day. You know, some people mm-hmm. are sticking it out. So hats off to them. So uh, Discord.gg/RPG site, if you wanna, if you wanna read, read back, the uh, the cries, the agony, you can join <laughs> our Discord and look in our mobile channel and. Or MOBA, MOBA channel, and enjoy that. And also all the other channels. Yeah, also all the other channels that we've got in there. But uh, no, uh, so we're glad to be back and have recorded another long episode of this podcast. So now that we're all caught up, we'll hopefully be ready to start another streak of weekly or at least seemingly weekly episodes of the Tetracast. But thank you all so much for listening. All the news posts and all the features that we talked about can be found at RPG RPG site. Dot net. Uh, you can join our Discord at discord.gg slash RPG site. You can find RPG site on pretty much all social media platforms, uh, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We will be back next week with another episode of the TetraCast. And like I said, uh, April is a little bit of a of a different feeling month compared to earlier in the year. So not 100% sure what topics we'll cover, but I'm sure there'll be a lot because there always is. Again, apologies for the break, but uh, we needed a little bit of time off. And now we're going to be jumping back into it with renewed determination and extra energy and all that stuff thank you all so much for listening and your support if you've got any feedback or comments about what we do what you like what you don't like we always love seeing those so you can leave us some feedback at the bottom of the of the site post or the bottom of our youtube video in the discord itself or on whatever your podcast platform of choice is but we will be back next week with another episode of the tetracast until you hear from us then stay safe and take care and we will talk to you next time later everyone rest in peace princess connect